All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking balls, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken Spoken. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Here inside our newly acquired, new establishment, Johnny's Tavern of 119th Street uh, Studios, I guess you want to call it. This is our new place, guys. We're really excited. We've been talking about this behind the scenes, behind the shadows, before you guys even knew about it, before we even really knew it was going to happen for sure. They are so kind to give us this spot. We're going to be out here as many Fridays as possible before they decide to finally get sick of us and kick us out and get some real talent in here. But in the meantime, I'm here with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Mr. Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. And Miss Gat on the ones and twos. We are so very excited to be here, guys. This is growth for KCPN. And we're here for it, man. We're, we're absolutely ready to pioneer this next chapter for our network. And I hope you guys tag along because we got a lot of, we got a lot going on, guys. So, we got, I mean, there, I would say there's a fair amount of uh, things in the world of sports we need to talk about, guys. Would you absolutely. say so? Okay, well, let's jump right into this thing. Uh, the word vote has been ringing in our ears nonstop over these last few months. This is that time when Americans take the time to cast their vote and tell their fellow Americans who they're casting their vote towards and why they're doing so. One candidate seems more legitimate than another, and then the next week, the complete opposite seems to take place, and we are left wondering who's going to win in the end. It's frustrating, and it oftentimes makes the whole damn election seem frivolous. I'm talking about the NFL MVP selection, an election, of course. Each and every week during the NFL season, we hear a new name emerge in the MVP conversation, whether it's Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Donald, etc., We've seen this conversation begin early and earlier every season, it seems, to the point where this seems frivolous. Well, this week we saw CBS Sports HQ's Twitter account come out and sit in, in, with some stats from one particular quarterback that I didn't name before by the name of Patrick Mahomes. In this tweet, they compare Patrick Mahomes' 2020 regular season numbers through eight games to Patrick Mahomes' 2018 regular season numbers through eight games and how they are eerily similar. Through eight games in 2020, Mahomes has thrown for only 211 fewer yards, five fewer touchdowns, but five fewer interceptions. He's completing his passes at a higher percentage while having one more pass attempt with the exact same quarterback rating at 115, along with 45 more rushing yards with one more rushing touchdown than he did at this point in his MVP season in 2018. Obviously, the meaning of these comparisons is to show us how well Mahomes is playing in 2020 compared to the season in which he won his first MVP award. I say first because I do expect him to win a few more in his career, not including the Super Bowl MVP he just won last season. No, I'm talking about this season in particular. CBS Sports HQ finishes this tweet with a quote that states, Patrick Mahomes has entered the MVP race. And my response to this is, Entered? When did he ever exit it? When was Mahomes not in the MVP race? I know that Chiefs fans like us are as close up to this with this team and in particular to Patrick Mahomes oftentimes, and it makes the achievements and greatness of this team and individual stars like the ones we're seeing it through the mirrors of the car when objects look bigger than they appear. 
But we are too seriously, are we seriously to pretend as if it wasn't Mahomes' election to win from the beginning? As if there wasn't a single player not named Patrick Mahomes that was coming into this season as the resounding favorite? Sure, I, I was one that began the season... I, I, I was I was one that before the season was on record in stating that Russell Wilson was tempting to cast my ballot towards. But my common sense kicked, kicked in before I casted my vote, and I decided to go with the only clear choice there was when it came to appointing the nation's most valuable player. Could Russell Wilson pull the upset and steal this one from 15? Absolutely. We've seen stranger things occur, and I'm not going to pretend as if Russ isn't worthy of becoming the MVP-elect. And I have never agreed with the best player in the league automatically winning the MVP simply because we know they're the best. It's not about being the best as much as it is about being the most valuable. You think that's as common sense statement as you as you get, but if you look at those who have won the MVP and not just the NFL but the, MVP, the NBA as well, you'll see how many errors these leagues have made in the past when it comes to verifying and justifying value. I'm looking at what Mahomes has done along with the fact of what he's still doing and how his trajectory continues to move upward and onward while Wilson is maintaining. I can't help but acknowledge the inertia in Mahomes' favor and how his value, along with being the world's best representation of what a football player, let alone what a quarterback is, cannot and should not be overlooked. If we're all being honest here, we know that Mahomes has bigger goals in mind and us fans have bigger expectations at heart. Winning another Super Bowl is what matters most. But let's not try and lie to ourselves and pretend as if seeing Mahomes win what is rightfully his isn't something we all love to see. 2018 Mahomes was fun. 2018 Mahomes was one of the greatest quarterback seasons in NFL history. Yet somehow, some way, 2020 Mahomes is even more fun. 2020 Mahomes is, is somehow even better. And it's not even just in certain raw numbers and stats, which are getting better in certain areas. It's the way in which Mahomes paces the game and dictates tempo. There hasn't been a game all season in which Mahomes didn't have the final say in how it ended. There hasn't been a game in which Mahomes hasn't shown us those holy shit moments that we have seen in, form, in some form or fashion that yet we have become accustomed to. To think that a 5,000-yard, 50-touchdown season is being outdone is something I never thought possible, especially by the same player that did it. To become the only quarterback ever to throw more than 20 touchdowns and less than two interceptions in the first, game, first eight games of a season is nothing short of unprecedented. And that's what Mahomes is, an unprecedented MVP candidate that deserves your vote. The Mahomes fatigue has already set in, and that's really, if we're being honest here, his biggest obstacle in winning his second, se second regular season MVP. And that's not a discredit towards Russell Wilson and what he is and what he's doing, but rather a credit to what Patrick Mahomes is and what he's doing and how it almost seems as if the efficient greatness that he displays on a weekly basis is almost underappreciated. And that's criminal. Our quarterback or not, Mahomes deserves our votes. So won't you join me in electing Patrick Mahomes to the MVP office for another season? Because every vote counts. Patrick Mahomes unofficially approved this message. Oh, man, are you guys ready for this night, man? I'm so stoked. <laughs> we might have to do a recap, but I'm pretty sure he's going to win by a landslide. So. <laughs>
Well, I'm glad you guys are here. All of our live streamers, YouTubers, uh, podcasters, thank you guys so much for being here with us, man. We are going to have a great show tonight. We're going to review the Jets and Chiefs game. We're going to tell you what we took away from that game. We're obviously going to get to the Eddie Hour. We got the Monday mailbag. We got to talk about this Chiefs Panthers game. Could it be actually a surprising game? Could it be a trap game? Even though the Chiefs got a bye week coming up, they are looking at the Raiders in a couple of weeks, and they're on, the re revenge is clearly on the Chiefs' mind. Could the Panthers come in here at Arrowhead and steal a victory from the Chiefs and fuck with that AFC uh, one seed a little bit here or there? We don't know. We're going to have to talk about that. But more importantly, guys, we have L's to hand out, which I cannot wait to get to because we are going to be in front of a live audience giving out some L's. I don't think that's ever happened before. I think the most people we've ever had in studio is like three or four people at the most. So for us to be handing out L's in a room full of... Let's let's spice it up a little. Uh, Three hundred people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at least. least. Yeah. I guess roaring. We were roaring. saying before, yeah, the Beatles were going to be here, but they had to get us instead. The Threedles. Exactly. So. I like the Threedles a lot. The Threedles. Can't say blame you. Can't say blame you. Can't say blame you. Dad, you want to have a catch? I mean, it's yeah, it's shoeless Joe Jackson. It's fitting. <laughs> well, like I said, guys, we're going to take a quick break because when we get back, we're going to get to that Chiefs-Jets game. We're going to give you guys our thoughts, our takeaways from what we saw in that blowout victory. Go back to that after this. Again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside our Johnny's Tavern off 119th Street Studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell, What's good? Eddie Ortiz, yo, yo, yo. and Miss Gat on the ones and twos. You know, I actually broke a rule that I created like 45 episodes ago where I don't drink during the show. But I was like, you know, this is a, a new a new chapter. Yeah. It's almost it's a celebratory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, trust me, there, there will be many of many of yours. But you know, th there's like a celebratory vibe to this, you know, because Gat, you know, she really put this all together for us here. And I said, you know, let's do this, man. Let's have a, let's have ourselves a fun night. So I'm really glad we're here, and I'm glad that all the people are here hanging out tonight. I'm already and, drunk. One beer yeah. in. I'm already I'm yep. already there. I'm gonna start hiccuping right in the middle of my it. takes. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I want I want to get to I want to get to that Jets Chiefs game because you, if you look at the if you look at the raw numbers, you look at the end result, you you, you don't really take a lot from that one, you know, because obviously yeah. the Chiefs are just clearly the better team. We we came into that week knowing that the Chiefs were gonna roll. We all pick. I mean, I believe Eddie had like 51 to 17, yeah. which honestly, if the Chiefs really wanted to, they could have put up 50. We could have just walked out of there with 20 points and been fine. What I liked about the game, though, I will say this, and I don't think it, as crazy as it sounds, this isn't going to come as a shock, and it actually kind of adds to my monologue that I started the show with, is the fact that, you know, we, we came into this game saying, you know, the Chiefs can beat you in any, in any way. Well, all season long, Patrick Mahomes, although he's been outstanding, he's been efficient, he's been great, this was one of those games where it showed that, hey, look, that 2018 version of me is still very much there. Yeah. If I really want to, I can go out there and throw five touchdowns in a game. Yeah. And and I really believe the Andy Reid gave Patrick Mahomes that right because you saw Adam Gase come out, come out there with the defensive mentality of you're not going to let Le'Veon Bell get off on us. Yeah. I'm not going to let him have a revenge game. I you know Adam Gase's days are numbered here in New York. He knows that, so he's not going to go out like that. He's not going to let Le'Veon Bell punk him. And then he gets fired. So he was going to do everything in his power to stack that box and force Patrick Mahomes because they knew they were going to lose this game. The, the Jets oh, had no man. shot in this game. So they were going to go out there with some sort of know, dignity man. and say, hey, Patrick Mahomes can beat us. We're cool with that. We're cool. I really Stop. do believe Adam Gase was more yeah, worried yeah, yeah. about at Le'Veon Bell beating them than Patrick Mahomes. The, yeah, the optics of it all. So, oh, so, yeah. I, so I think what the Chiefs did is they said, you know what? 
we're going to let our quarterback be great today. He's going to go out there and, and – and, and I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought Patty was going to get a couple quick touchdowns in the game. They, they were going to be over at half, and they were going to go away. Yeah. Jets didn't go away. Jets were moving the ball on offense. They weren't scoring a lot, but they scored on three of their first dri- four drives. Yeah. And they were playing decent. They were playing efficient offense. Now, obviously, the Chiefs put the clamps on My point, though, is what I loved about what the Chiefs did in this game was they said, look, we're not going to allow this team to get in our end zone. Bad team or not, 12 points a game or not, you're not getting in our end zone because they looked at that as a pride issue. If you score a touchdown on us in our house, the last time we were here in Arrowhead, we lost a divisional game in an embarrassing fashion, giving up 40 points. Yeah, Reed remembers that. Yeah, they're not letting this team score a touchdown. And on the other side, our our, our quarterback's going to score five. He's, he's going to go out there and just jet you guys up, literally and figuratively. Trevor, I'll start with you. What was your takeaway from this game? Um, I mean, like I said from last week when I talked about how I expected us to get – it's kind of a get-right game for the offense. And that is entirely what happened. We got, Like I said, I thought we were going to get our speedsters touchdowns. We got McCall a touchdown early. We got Tyreek a touchdown early. And then Tyreek another touchdown late. Travis Kelsey a touchdown. So we got our, 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 our main weapons touchdowns, which I liked. The main thing I took away from offensively is that we didn't take our foot off the gas. I think we needed that game because too many times we see the Chiefs go in there and play down to the competition. And as a, as a Chiefs fan, we both know, we all know that we could go out there and pretty much like you alluded to, blow most teams off the field. If we really, if Andy Reid really wanted to go out there and just do that. Yeah. We have all the capabilities of doing that. But too many times we, we relent and we take a foot off and we just kind of just try to get out of the game healthy if we get a semi-comfortable lead and just get out of there with the W. This has had a different vibe to it. We just kind of kept pushing. Like I, like I even said last week, I expected us to be run heavy. I expected us to kind of get in here and get the job done, you know, win in the trenches, get it done, you know, go out by a few scores, run out the game. But, no, Mahomes was in there the whole time, ran out the game, played well, got us five touchdowns, 400-plus yards. So, I mean, overall, offensive performance-wise, it was great. It was good to see Pat get him, hit him a game because he hasn't had a game like that yet this year. Um, Hopefully that rolls over to this next game that we'll, we'll touch on. But defensively, I mean, we looked great. We probably saw the best game from Tyron Matthew. He was all over the place. Granted, it's the Jets. Not a lot of weapons to worry about. But we were, we were playing well against the run for the most part. Um, early on, it looked a little ugly because we were letting them get yardage and get into the red zone area and get field goals. But you saw once they got towards the 20s, you know, it was it was clamps. It was right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, and, and we saw some gay out there. It was good seeing him get some more reps. He looked good. Uh, he's flying around out there. I love seeing that kid uh, get in there. Chris Jones looked like a maniac out there. Um, yeah, overall, overall team, it was good to see McCole get his confidence up. That was the main thing I wanted to see. I know you've been tooting his horn a lot. It was good to see him get his confidence up. He looked like a true number two receiver out there. Um, Byron Prigo looked good on the returns for the most part. Special teams looked good. Uh, that 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 uh, that fourth down um, fake play that we did was awesome. Yeah, I, I love that Gat actually uh, had, had posted a picture of his pose of, of yeah. Tommy. Tommy's like, uh, yeah, it's Tommy like a Greek sculpture. Yeah, Tommy. Ta- literally, yeah, he yeah. like a Greek, like a Greek like sculpture out there. Yeah. Or something. I want to say a uh, shout out to Arrowhead abroad. I think for tweeting mm-hmm. that, I totally jacked it. Um, <laughs> I did that thing where you can just tweet the photo. No I gave no credit whatsoever, and no then Tommy shame. Townsend liked it on yeah. Instagram. So. Yeah, yeah. Tommy, that play Trevor, was that play was awesome. That's, that's Fabio in the flesh. I'll tell you that right but now. Yeah, overall, team, to, yeah. overall team chemistry, everything looked good. It was kind of, like I said, get back on track kind of game. We needed to get that rhythm at, at all facets of the game, and I think we did that, especially seeing that special teams convert on that fourth down yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean I'm not going to add much to, to, to what Trevor says. I'm, I'm pretty much there, but the defense, that's, that's where I'm going to touch. 
I know you say they played great, but start off slow. I, yeah. I just cannot give them a, a, a great score for that game because they started off. What this defense has shown us in eight games is that they like to start off slow, let other teams score, let other teams take that you know take the rhythm of the game. We play Ben Don't Break and, too and, much, and, and, and we've seen them correct it throughout the game. Like we, we've seen Andy or uh, Spagnuolo, uh, you know, make adjustments and actually get better. And third and fourth quarter, we see the other team not scoring. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it's just it's alarming when your defense is, the, I believe, is the thirtieth rank in, in rush defense. That's that's alarming. Not not not. I mean. It's been eight games. I think it's semi-intentional, so though. I See, think we, but, I think we're but, kind of a run no, funnel defense. No, but, but if you're doing that, you're yeah. you're you're pretty much inching yourself to, to take a loss. But we've game. seen us step it up against teams that are no, run, running no. teams like Derrick Henry. We've seen it, us it, stop we've, it. we've seen it. Yep. But they have to do it constantly. I, I don't know if it's it's like pride that they don't they just let teams you know, hey you know I'm gonna let you run the ball and then I'm gonna show you what what I'm gonna do. Like we can't, we can't be doing that. We're inching closer to those. Uh, those games are crucial to our, our first, first seed, second seed. Yeah. We don't want to, we don't want to, like you know, get lower than the second seed. So, it's time this defense starts, you know, from well, first quarter to last quarter, be be great, just like the offense. We can't have it to where. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, play shit for two quarters and then the next two quarters, I'm not yeah, going to. Yeah, I'm with we you. Can't, I, we can't do that. I'm more on your side about it, Eddie. Um, what, what I will say, and, I, and pun intended, the defense for the defense is uh, that I will give them because I, I am more on your side. And during games, it really is it is very frustrating for me to see them giving up, you know, six and a half yards it, a clip. Them not being able to tackle. Yeah, I don't know that what is a problem. It's, a, it's the linebackers. They, they're still very they're still very thin at linebacker, even though uh, Willie Gay is getting better and he's progressing. They're going to need him to be. Tyron was all over the place. They're going to need Willie great. Gay to be great by the playoffs, yeah, and I think that's what they're doing. We just can't have, like, one or two player being, you know, Great. Well, this is this is where the, this is my defense for them. Two things. I think we've talked about this before. Oh, and I know, I know we have. It's the fact that we have to realize that now, ever since the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, that they are going to get at least an A effort from every team they face. I mean, the Jets had nothing, literally nothing, to lose in this game. But at the same time, you got to understand, dude. I, I know what you guys are saying, but it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a schematic thing that I think is working because we have only allowed one team to score and more that's, than twenty and points. That is exactly seven seven games no. out of eight. We allowed think, fewer than twenty what points. What the Chiefs, I think they are doing. I think Trevor yeah. is. That's what I was trying to tie it all together. Yeah, you yeah. both are right in your own way. Is that they are trying? They are trying to allow offenses because they we know this is a pass heavy. It's league. Like a bait and switch. If you keep teams yeah. on the ground mm-hmm. in today's NFL. More times than not, when you have the quarterback you have, with fewer possessions, albeit because the run game can be effective on the opposite side, yeah. you are taking away big plays for them. Because they might get five yards, but can they get into the end zone? And that's the question you have to ask. And they, they're they not allowing teams yeah, in the end zone. You, but you've seen it backfired against the Raiders. You've seen that. that it wasn't it, the run game, though, ironically, that the no, Raiders, it, but it was it was, the they were throwing over the top. Exactly. They caught us off guard. Exactly. That's the and reason kudos, why. Kudos to them. They, yeah, that just can't. They were they playing a style happen. of defense. That's happened once in the last 17 games, no, dude. Like. It's happened eight games straight where they, like, first and second quarter, they played like shit. We can't We can't. We sit, allow a lot of rushing yeah, yards. We yeah. can't sit here and say, right. oh, our defense has been great. Yeah, and if you're talking about how you said they like to, you know, like, flip that switch or whatever, you know? Well, let me ask you a they question. They, they we tied up they in the red to, zone. Yeah, they try to do that against the Raiders. Let, and they completely let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question, though, real quick. Because I think Josh Jacobs only had, like, 45 rushing yards yeah. in that game against the Chiefs, but he was a non-factor, okay? I thought he was going to actually have a monster game because of these very same reasons. 
But you have to look at it like this. Uh, the Chiefs schematically in that game underestimated Derek Carr's downfield throwing, and so they pressed the box, wow. and they didn't have any soft coverages. If the Chiefs were in that game and said, look, Derek Carr, you can beat us underneath. You can get your little check downs all day long. We're going to take the top off. You're not going to be able to beat us up top. Chiefs would have rolled them in that game. It was all about schematically. It was all about, and ironically, the one game they've lost these years is when they actually tried to stop the run. If I'm being and honest, again, I feel like that Raiders game is more about our offense, it, not, well, not let me, well, they ended up scoring 32 points anyway, but here's the question. Right. Here's the question I have to have for you, Eddie, because of That's your resentment towards the way they play defense. What, which would you prefer, giving up a lot of rush, rushing yards or giving up a lot of points? Well, obviously, you're not trying to give up points. Okay, so my point, though, is in seven of eight games, the Chiefs have kept teams to two touchdowns a game. With a multiple, with a couple field goals added into it, twenty points a game. Outside, and they played Deshaun Watson, they played Lamar Jackson, yep. they played Justin Herberts. I mean, they played some legitimate quarterbacks, three of the better quarterbacks in the league, and they kept them all to sixty combined points. And three of the, two of those games are road games. Yep. One of them was prime time in Baltimore. Like everyone said, was picking the like race. I said in the playoffs last year when we knew we needed to stop the run, we stopped who? Right. Aaron Henry. So I'm with you in the I, fact I, that it's frustrating. My it, point it though is, is the end result. The end result is always there. Right. And the one game it wasn't there is when they actually shut the run game down. So if it's going to work this way, and plus, I will give you this. I will say this, and I think everybody would agree to this, at least hopefully. You will see, just like in the NBA, you start to see as the playoffs start to come around, the defense starts to tighten up and people start locking down. I do believe that when the playoffs start coming around the Chiefs know they're playing some big games, the defense is going to clamp down on the, on the rushing side of things. I don't think, because you saw it. The Titans, they thought they were going to come in here and run all over us. Derrick yeah. Henry got 68 yards. Yep. 68 yards on the something attempts. On like six in the second half? Or yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, he, he got shut down. He was leading the league in rushing. That's what I'm trying to say. Is like, you think about it. Like, looking at it from the naked eye, you think, oh, this defense is going to be in trouble. Like, you know, they I mean, face the Ravens. They, the face, Ravens. they face a good rushing attack in the playoffs. They can lose that game. Keep convincing yourself of that because I think the Chiefs are allowing teams to fall into that trap because I do think it's more than a trap than a deficiency. I do think there are deficiencies because, like I said, the linebackers can't tackle. They're very bad at that, but I think by that time, Willie Gay is going to be at a, at a higher level, yeah. and he's going to play a factor in this defense. Polished. Plus, Dan Sorensen, we don't talk about him enough. I was going to bring I, him up. I really don't get why we don't talk about Dirty Dan enough. He's been playing. This might be his best year This of his might career. be his best season of his yeah. career. And he's been yeah. in the league, what, eight, nine seasons yeah. now? Like, this guy has been, and he was, what, undrafted player out of BYU that Andy Reid picked up on the scrap heap? And this guy is like a borderline Chiefs Hall of Famer at this point. So I, guys like them that are tackling the way they are, Juan Thornhill's having an astoundingly quietly good season. Tyron Matthew obviously is having an awesome Best season. Best last week. I mean, my God, man. And, and now, the, now the defense is getting healthier again. I know Frank Clark won't play this game. They're not going to need him. We'll talk about that later in the show. But you have Chris Jones that's healthy. You have all these guys that are coming back healthy, man. I think this defense is going to start shaping up in the second half of the season. So I, your concerns are completely valid. I just don't think it's something that we need to sit here and panic about, about this being a, a, a deterrent from them winning another well, Super Bowl. I'll say this, too. Look at all the best defenses in the league. Steelers, I'll start with them. As great as that Steelers defense is, they've been very volatile over the top. Very, they've been allowing way too many touchdowns over the top. They've been getting beat deep. Right. Would you rather deal with that on your defense and be extremely stout up front? I mean, I'm not saying you got to pick between the two, but I'm saying even the, the great Steelers defense, who might be the best defense in the league right now, is still having has a flaw in that defense. Yeah. I'd rather be, I'd rather allow a cushion of rushing yards per per snap or whatever than getting beat over the top consistently. Yeah, because that that'll break a game wide open and obviously yeah. allows more scoring. Yeah. So like I said, guys, that was just a recap of that game. There, I mean, there, 
if we're being all honest, there wasn't a lot of X's and O's to break down. I mean, the Chiefs, like I said, they handled business when they needed to. That second half, they absolutely started blowing out the Jets. It wasn't even close. Um, but I, I do think that there are some things they're going to have to work on. I think they will work on, especially during the bye week. Because if we know anything about Andy Reid and what he's famous for, it's that after that bye week, and I think it's perfect, they get a revenge game against the Raiders after that bye week. And Andy Reid is historically great after the bye week. Cannot wait to talk about that one. I'm sure we'll have a big guest for that game coming up as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. We'll have Raider Cody back on the show. <laughs> what do you know? It's going to be a blast. Hey, he could do a little victory dance right. on our show like I they did at Arrowhead. I Oh yeah. Are you gonna like I let know. him know on air when? No. <laughs> I'll let him know. Well, now that you've told us, I have to tell yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. I like the attitude. Where I was like, I can't be attracted to Raiders fan. That is. Says who? Says me, but you I already are. I was fucking married to one for seven years. Hey, opposite the track. You laid down until it went away. Shout out to Reader Cody. You got yourself a heart, buddy. He got swiped right on the smoking pod. Friend of the show. He got himself a dub. Trevor got an L. And Gats out of here showing, expressing her love. I love it, man. So we're going to take a quick break, guys, because when we get back, we need to get to our guy, Eddie, in the Eddie Hour. I've, I've heard rumors that he's got some pretty legit questions. Cannot wait to get what he's got going on. We'll get back to that after this. Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Johnny Tavern of 119th Street Studios. We are so very glad to be here, guys. I'm with my dudes, Trevor Twidwell, What's good? Eddie Ortiz, yo, yo, yo. and Miss Gat on the ones and twos. So I need to quit wasting your guys' time. I've been talking already plenty just through two segments. I need to shut up for a second because it is time for my dude Eddie to take control of the show. Eddie, what's going on in the Eddie Hour, right. my man? You say shut up, but then you're going to answer this question. Right yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's the least, irony of it least all. least for you five seconds, Jesus. The people demand it. You know what I mean? I'm a man of the people. <laughs> all right, man. My first question is, uh, so Devontae Adams and Julio Jones each made claims this week that they were the best wide receiver in, in the league. Oh, pretty much... Of all, we'll, we'll say of all time. Yeah, of now, all time. Yeah. That's, now, oh. now this, now, now this question is from me. It's like with this subject in mind. Who has been the best wide receiver in 2020 so far? Um, I mean, see, this is this is a tough question because if I'm going off of talent, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's the best overall wide receiver in the game. But Devontae Adams has been, I think, the, I would say statistically probably the best wide receiver he's in football. He's missed three games. And he's still statistically one of the best. Well, he's come back with a vengeance. Yeah. Know, two absolutely explosive he's had, weeks I think he's in had row. six touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, though, has been unbelievable He's been the most season. consistent yes. of all I, those I think he's got, what, eight touchdowns this season? Because Julio's already missed a couple games. Yeah. I mean. He scored almost every week except one. I think Tyreek has scored every, every single game except, except one. one. He scored a touchdown. In. And last week he had two. Right. So. Um, statistically, Devontae Adams, I would probably have the same just in the games he's played. And his and I, I love Devontae Adams' route tree. He's got eight touchdowns. But, but uh, yeah, I, I'm going to have to probably go with Tyreek overall as the best wide receiver of 2020. I think it's been Tyreek right. Hill. And, and, I, yeah. and I'll add to that, too, because I agree with you. And I said, what did I say before the year started? I said Tyreek's going for that number one spot. Yeah. And he's been not only the most consistent. 
but he's also in an offense that spreads the ball out more than any of those other offenses those guys are involved in because in those offenses, those those targets are funneled to those receivers. They're getting 11 targets a yeah, game. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. Uh, uh, Adams, those guys yeah. get, and Julio Jones, they get like 12 targets a game. Yeah. Tyreek's getting maybe six or eight, and he's yep. scoring way more efficiently, making more with, the, with, the, with his touches. And... and Tyreek Hill just tied Randy Moss right. for most 40-plus yard touchdowns in years NFL old. history, 23 of them. And, he's yeah, he's in the prime of his career. Randy Moss, it took him 14 years to do that. Right. Like, that's unreal I mean, just, Okay, just, just imagine if he was getting 12 targets a game and he yeah. was, like, the sole, yeah. you know, guy and getting all the third, targets. In a third of the seasons, he's already tied Randy Moss for the most downfield touchdowns yeah. in and NFL history. And he came into the league as a, not as a true number one receiver either. He yeah. came into the league as a gadget guy, it's return unreal. guy. A running back. He running came back. in as a running back. Like, that's what, yeah. That's what I'm saying. His growth is his so not it's, to it's heat, unmatched. Yeah, not to heat too much praise, but if it ain't Devontae Adams. Because Devontae Adams is a more complete wide receiver than yeah, Tyreek Hill. more yards. But when it comes to, the like, who's played the best, yeah. Yeah, it's got you. Got to give it to Tyreek. You have to. Yeah. All right. I'm with it. All right. Uh, so the NFL came down and uh, gave the Raiders a, a, a five hundred thousand dollar fine. Uh, John Gruden got a hundred and fifty thousand dollar uh, fine, and they also took away a six round pick. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, I, I actually feel like the NFL should have came down harder on the Raiders, uh, even though that is a significant fine. The thing about it, though, is the Raiders have been playing this mentality of we don't give a fuck. Like, they, right. they've really just told the NFL, we're going to do what we want to do when we want to do it, and who cares? Bring the fines on. And that's literally how it's looked. Like, the optics of the Raiders this season has been we're just going to do what we want to do. And so far, the Raiders have had a decent season. But things like this can and will end up becoming a distraction because now you're going to be getting questioned about it each and every media availability. And you, if we know anything about the Raiders, especially Derek Carr, he gets in his own head far too often, and he's going to be peppered with questions like this. Yeah. And I don't think that he has the mental capacity and fortitude to be able to withstand that each and every week and each and every time they have press conferences and they get asked questions like this. John Gruden is a is – a, the, the best and worst thing about John Gruden as a head coach is he's emotional. He's, he's not even I killed. He's never been even yeah. killed. He's always up, 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 up. But with that comes the price that you have to pay a lot of times, and it's going to be stuff like this. And I don't think that's good for your team. There's nothing uplifting that comes out of this. I don't see how this uplifts, uplifts your team to a place where you go on a winning streak now because you just got fined by the NFL for doing things that are just absolutely careless and ridiculous and dangerous more than anything. Yeah. So I, I, I think the NFL should have came down harder, and I'm, I'm not, I will not be shocked if this is – not even the, the the second or third time we see the NFL do this to the Raiders this year because they have simply accepted that mentality. They just don't care. Yeah, and it all it all comes down on the head of Gruden too because he's been the, the one leading the way. He you rarely see him like really wearing his mask on the sideline whenever you watch the Raiders games. He allowed the team the uh, the multiple players to have uh, get-togethers. No, no masks were involved, uh, which led to that offensive lineman. Uh, um, you know, and um, and they also I think they let. Uh, an unauthorized person into their locker room. Oh, just yeah. a, a countless things already. Just yep. I mean, halfway, not even half, barely halfway through the season, and this is already happening. Like they they lost, more than the they Titans lost a have, and they just haven't caught COVID like the Titans. Oh, yeah, did, that's why they're stripped of their. I mean, losing a six-round pick. I mean, I know that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but but for a team that's building, that is but something. being stripped for something you could have was completely in, within your control that you yeah. could have avoided. Yeah, you lost a six-round pick because of your inability to just abide by the rules. It's really embarrassing, honestly. How does that work if the Titans did not get like? This they should have been. They should have been penalized heavier too. I believe. 
It, it doesn't make sense. I'm with le- you on that. Yeah. You know, Coach Vrabel had to have known about the, the players' only practices. There's yeah. no way. The loophole is probably that, though, is that they were trying to do a team activity. Having said that, the NFL told them clear as day, you're not allowed to go into any other facilities. At the same time, the justification with the Titans as opposed to the Raiders is, hey, this was team activity stuff going on. We're yeah. trying to practice. They can play that route. They can go that angle. And the Raiders can't because, like, Trevor just listed off everything they've been doing. It's yeah. anything but football-related. Right. Just uh, adding adding to that question as uh, just now, do you think NFL teams are going to put more protocols in place to avoid these type of consequences? No, no question. Absolutely. Um, because I don't think this is going to be the last season we deal with this stuff. I think this is going to go into 2021. I think we're going to be dealing with limited fan capacity. I think you're going to be dealing with a lot of social distancing. And the NFL, although I will give them a break in the fact that this is something that is very nuanced and they've had to learn as it goes, I think the NFL's done a pretty decent job. Honestly, at first it looked a little rocky at first. I think they've, done, they've bounced back pretty well, and I think they've kept a pretty tight lip on everything that's gone on. I mean, they're still playing football, and everybody was predicting this massacre of the season where yeah. they may not get you know a whole season in. They're absolutely going to get a whole season in at this point. And uh, I do think that the NFL is going to continue to cover their ass by continually adding new precepts, if you will, to keep everybody at bay because what's going to happen is teams are going to start loosening up. You're going to see more teams like the Raiders say, hey, we, we made it through COVID. It was fine. You know, next season won't be as tight. You know, like, or you like OBJ and say that, you know, it can't touch you. You know what much. I'm saying? Like, there are a lot of guys that feel that way oh, because yeah. when, you're, when you're such a, an elite athlete, you start to feel you're untouchable, especially oh, yeah. in your 20s. That's why you got hurt. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's, that's why you tore his karma, but yeah. <laughs> the point is, yes, the NFL, because they're. The NFL has done such a good job at adaptation in a lot of ways, not in some ways with social, you know, social things. But when it comes to adaptation of how to keep your league in a place of success, nobody's been better than the NFL. And the biggest thing about the NFL is that you you get the opportunity to have a week between games. That's huge. I mean, for for COVID. I mean, you can have a guy even test positive and still have a negative test. Chris Jones before. Well, he didn't test positive. No, no, he was in contact. My point though is he was in contact. He had to get tested five times. Now he's playing Sunday. Yeah, see, that would have been rough if it was like the day before the game. He wouldn't have been able to play. So you you have a whole, you know, handful of days before again at your next game. You don't even have to necessarily practice to play, right? right? So. The NFL, you get a little, a little more leeway that way to prepare for the next game, but to, to, to you know, make sure you get negative tests coming back so you have time to prepare. So I think the NFL's done great. I mean, outside of a couple hiccups, obviously, with the Titans and the Raiders, outside of them, yeah. they've kept it, you know. And those were been, voluntary. I mean, it wasn't we'll on the NFL. That was voluntary. Well, yeah, and we'll see with Stafford. I don't know. This is going to be the first quarterback that's really been affected by it, which is a big deal for them. I think I'm leaning towards I think he's going to play, though. Yeah. It, yeah, that, we've heard no developments of him testing. So I feel like most outside, outside of, time outside of Tannehill list. with that players only practice, all the quarterback. Well, I don't think Derek Carr was a part of that that get together anyway. So maybe outside of those two quarterbacks, yeah, he wasn't invited. I feel like yeah, <laughs> there was drinking involved. Um, <laughs> it's for grownups. Um, I, I, but I'm saying outside of those two guys, I think all the quarterbacks have really been, you know been true leaders in this league. You know, we've even heard uh, Mahomes in interviews talking about he just goes home, plays video games, looks at tape. That's kind of what he does. He doesn't go out, you know. He it shows the guys that truly want to win. But I mean, overall, the players in the league have, I think, done a, a pretty awesome job throughout the year. You know, I'm gonna add this question in there. You threw Odell Beckham Jr.'s name in there. <laughs> so, do you think he's played his last game with Cleveland? I'm gonna say more than likely yes. Uh, at this time, I, I do think Cleveland wants to keep him. Um, but if you, it's hard to really ignore the fact that Baker actually plays better with OBJ off the field. And I don't think Baker's going anywhere. 
So I think that they're going to try to package something to try to get OBJ out of town and get something in return. And I do think they try to replicate what they're doing with OBJ and get themselves a young speedster wide receiver. Uh, you can't just go and get OBJ because there's been very few ever that have been as good as OBJ at his best when it comes to wide receivers at the NFL level. Having said that, um, it wouldn't shock me if he's a Brown next season just because, again, he's that good. And if you get him to commit, you get his talent to match his effort or his effort to match his talent, that's a big if, though, because I don't think he, I don't think there's any question. He doesn't want to be in Cleveland, yeah. although Jarvis Landry is his best friend. I think that that, that Wells just kind of run dry, and I don't think he really wants to be. I think he wants to be in a bigger market, and I think that's where he's going to end up. Yeah, I, I for his sake, I hope he's, he's not in Cleveland. I, I don't think the chemistry – I just don't think there's good chemistry there with him and Baker. There's not. I mean, there's not. Outside of the, that, one, that one week where there was a couple trick plays that he got involved in, I think he – Threw a touchdown, and he received some trick play as well. Against the Cowboys, which yeah. is the worst defense right, of all time. Right, So yeah. outside of that blow-up week, he hasn't been very productive, and, and, and Baker hasn't been able to find him. So I just think that offense just doesn't work in his favor. He's a true number one elite receiver when healthy. That's the question, though. That's the thing with him is when he's healthy. He's injured more than he's not, right? And that's a problem. If you're not on the field, I mean, how valuable are you, really? You know, he's a big name. He's fun. He's attractive. He's a He's a... A good, uh, you know, a good hot mic type player. Very fun to watch. Very crafty. One of the best route runners we've probably ever seen in this game. Um, I hope he's not a Brown. I want to see him somewhere else so he can thrive a little better. Uh, maybe be, you know, in a more prolific offense. Maybe with like Atlanta or something like that. You know, Ooh, along, alongside another, who, you know, another star receiver. I think would help him a lot. Um, another outside receiver because Jarvis Landers is strictly a slot guy. That doesn't really open anything up for for, for him there. And then there, um, you know, maybe you, you know where he would fit perfectly. What's that? In San Francisco with a top tier quarterback. Or even Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. I, I think he wants to win, though, and, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm the biggest Matt Stafford defender. But I think Matt Stafford's out of Detroit after this season, so I think I think wherever I think Matt Stafford would possibly be the 49ers quarterback. Yeah, and I think you could see OBJ out there, and they and they have draft or, picks to trade too. Or if Green Bay keeps Aaron Rodgers around, Green Bay would be an amazing spot for him. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be in Green Bay though. I think that's they can trade up I'm, for Jordan saying, Love. If, yeah, if, if you yeah. got Devontae Adams and OBJ, that's that's. A Super Bowl yep. offense, right? Oh, absolutely, so. no question. But those two guys are hurt often. But yeah, I, mean, I hope I hope he's on a Brown next year. So he'll stay with the Browns because it's the same color of the stuff he likes on his chest. <laughs> oh, jeez, oh. move on, move on, oh, move okay. on, <laughs> move on. It's a euphemism for. <laughs> and he's been doctor's pay for this so episode. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I have. I also have a question though, because when athletes, I know it's Eddie Hour, but when athletes dye their hair bleach it blonde. Something happens to them. Mm. So I'm, I've been DK waiting Metcalf. for Mahomes to bleach it, but Sorensen did it. <laughs> uh, so I don't Slim Sorensen. Slim Sorensen. He literally, Dirty Dan, bleached his like, yeah. receding hairline, yeah. and that is the most G move of all time. <laughs> like, not only are you going to look at it now, I didn't think he right had that in him. Sunkiss Sorensen, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. he was just I, I all it. kinds of bright. I thought he looked like a character from Doug or something. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Quest. Yeah. <laughs> Something, something about that, that hair dye. I don't know. <laughs> like Demolition Man. <laughs> like, uh, Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Illuminates. <laughs> All right. Now we're going into the MLB. I want to get your thoughts on uh, Red Sox hiring Alex Cora again as their manager after serving his one-year suspension. What about – you want to talk about such a news dump? Like yeah. right in the middle of everything that's going on, like, oh, hey, by the way, the Red Sox brought yeah, Alex Cora back. Move on, move on, move on, move on. You know, like, get, get, get over it, get over it, move it on. No, it's it, – yeah, Alex Cora is a damn good manager. Um, and he needed – he deserved to be fired for what he was a part of with the Astros. But I think that to the heart of it and to the core of it all, the Red Sox never wanted to part ways with him. Yeah. And I think that the MLB was like, look, 
He'll pay his dues. Look at uh, A.J. Hinch, the, the manager of the Astros during that time. He got canned. He didn't find it. Get, I think it was... Uh, Oh, shit, what team did he go with? I forget what team he was, but he just got signed to another team. So it's really no different if Sakura was to go and be manager manage another team. He wanted to be in Boston anyway. That's where he played the majority of his career. And, uh, yeah, it just it, it makes all the sense in the world because they, that's their guy. That's the guy they wanted all along, and it just makes all the sense in the world for him to go back. Yeah, I mean, the funny there's a funny thing about the MLB. It's, uh, it's strange. It's a strange dynamic. They're, managers do not get vilified nearly as much as players who cheated the game. Everything, I mean, look what the Astros did last year for all – Good purposes. Everyone thinks a certain way about them. Griffey, uh, uh, um, not Griffey, uh, um, McGuire, and all those guys. Sosa, all those guys that you know the juicing era. They're all. That's all. You know, there's an asterisk there, and there's a lot of people that hate them for that whole era, even though it was the best era of baseball. Um, but I mean, players get definitely get vilified way more than managers. Managers get second, third, fourth chances in the league all the time. Just, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I think he deserves a second chance. I think he's a great manager, and he deserves. And I think Boston obviously welcomed him back with open arms because he was doing a, a damn good job there. I'm not. I'm not against him getting that job back. I, uh, I just. I think baseball really needs to find some balance there between vilifying players and managers the same way. But I mean, I'm happy for him. He, he deserves a job. He knows the game very well. He was a solid player. It might be even a better manager than he was a player. So kudos to him. Yeah. I, I support him. I support the Red Sox for making the move. He deserves a job. He shouldn't de deserve to be banned. I still don't know how the Astros players do not get any kind of punishment. Don't get me started. Yeah, you want to get me triggered? Let's yeah. Yeah. Uh -oh, well, you know that's that's just uh, that's. I'll, I'll say that for the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, MLB commissioner has stated that Justin Turner will not be punished after he was seen on the field uh, celebrating the World Series title. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, I think the MLB is getting this one wrong because of the fact it sets a wrong precedent. Because again, as I stated about the NFL, I'm going to state about the MLB. The coronavirus is not going anywhere. In fact, it's only getting worse when it's it comes to spikes, worse. when it comes to positive tests. I mean, we've had three record-setting days in a row in America. So it's going to be a while until we actually get back to any type of normalcy when it comes to no masks and it comes to full capacities. And you're setting a wrong precedent because you have to understand, even though these players are in some form or fashion healthier than other people and you know, get tested more and are around each other and they're, they're going to be safer when you when when young people in particular see their heroes on that field doing things that way and the MLB doesn't come down on them in any way or any regard, whether it's to celebrate something that you've waited your whole life for or not, which I do sympathize with. I understand Justin Turner's a veteran player, been playing a long time and been waiting for this moment. I get it. We've talked about this before. But that is not okay what he did. It's not all right, and there needs to be proper punishment for it. Now that there's not, you're going to set even more of a confusion for not just your fans, but on the flip side, young players coming up. Because what's going to happen is if Rob Manfred comes out and says, hey, that minor league guy is going to have to sit out a couple games because he tested positive and didn't say anything or he didn't social distance with his team, they're going to go, what about Justin Turner who just won the World Series? It's going to happen because that's how the MLB does things. They're reactionary, not proactive. That's the problem with the major leagues. This is just another stepping stool of Man Rob Manfred's debacle leadership. Uh, display of leadership. I'll be honest. So well, it's it's a bad look, and the MLB knows it. They knows MLB knows they were wrong. That's why the the storyline starts out with he gets a pass. It's, you know the, the pass. They're giving him a pass, like so that they know he did something wrong, but they're giving him a pass. It's a bad look, like we talked about this last week, I believe. Um, but I mean, think about. I it. get it. The emotions were high. Think about this. You just stated, Eddie. I mean, this is what this is a problem the MLB has with proper punishments. Right. You talk about the Houston Astros. Zero suspensions 
for the players who were an actual active part of what took place. One of the biggest cheating scandals in MLB history, in sports history. Which is not normal, though, because usually so, players get penalized pretty heavy in but the MLB. Yeah, exactly. But, the, is saying, the, math, but the math is there. Yeah. But see, the reason why that's the case is because they have this frowned-upon method when it comes to steroid use. Rules. But, but using electronics to tip off pitches is okay? Right. That's what well, I don't understand about all the approach is wrong. The recent story that just came out, I think today or yesterday, uh, there was like six um, people within the Dodgers organization that tested positive the other day. Do the math, man. Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. Like, I, I, mean, again, I know there's other outlets you could have got that from. When but. your commissioner calls uh, the, the, the trophy that you win, you know, in the World Series, a piece of metal, that kind of contextualizes what this dude's mindset is. Yeah. Rob Ransford's a clown. Absolutely. All right, man. This next question, uh, Trevor brought it up before the show, and apparently there's rumors circulating that uh, the 76ers are – uh, trying to uh, go after James Harden. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Look, man, you're adding James Harden to an equation, you're automatically going to be a better team. But see, just thinking about it, though, it's going to be sexy. They're going to win a lot of games in the regular season, but I feel like they're going to end up just becoming the Rockets of the East in a way. Not small ball. Not not small ball. But you got to think about who his head coach is, too. Doc Rivers. Okay? Doc Rivers is known as what? In the playoffs, outside of that one 2008 super team that won the won the won the NBA Finals, he's known as a choke artist. He has the most three-one deficits, losses end up being losses in NBA history. Right? You add that with James Harden, who every single season of his career in the playoffs has been a choke artist. You add those together, I mean, that is a recipe for disaster. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to win 55 There's an outlier games. in there, though. I understand the outlier, and I know where you're going to go, and I'll let you have that moment. My point, though, is they're going to bring James Harden in this team with the intention to build around him, okay, because he's the best player on the team automatically. But that doesn't automatically mean that your team's going to advance further. That does not auto- automatically mean. Now, James Harden in the East is going to be interesting. That's going to make things a lot more interesting. He's going to probably be an MVP again. The point, though, remains is that what's gonna, what matters ultimately? What are Sixer fans looking for? Winning in the postseason. Does James Harden give you a better chance to do that? I don't see it. Doc Rivers doesn't either. Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope this move happens, honestly, because this is a basketball fan. I would absolutely love – with Daryl Morey over there pulling the strings in Philly, it makes too much sense. And I think I think the, common, the outlier I was meaning by was Embiid. Yeah. Embiid is more hungry than probably anybody on that Philly's roster. That's guy, assuming they don't trade Embiid, though. I don't think I, I because we don't know yes, that for sure. I it could be a beat in the trade package. I think Philly would erupt. Well, here's my question: so it, Not to interrupt you, but here's my question: What if the Rockets come and say, "Hey, we we will give you James Harden, but you've got to give us Joel Embiid"? Do you make that trade? No. Okay, I don't either. No, 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 because Embiid's younger. He's more of a, a two totally different players. But I think the chemistry between Embiid and Harden would be great because Embiid's very good at playing off the ball, and Harden's very good with the ball. And I think the fact that it hasn't really worked with Embiid and Simmons because Simmons can't go get a bucket. He's not a, and James Harden can, just as good as anybody in this league, and so can Embiid. Now that you have both those guys in the, those dominant positions at the top and in the, in the paint, being able to get buckets at any moment, and both can play off the ball really well, and both are very good with the ball and can facilitate both of them, it's a t- different dynamic than it was with Russ because with Russ, Russ was a ball-dominant guard. Two ball-dominant guards, it was fun to watch. They had big, big games when they both could facilitate and their shooters were hitting other shots. But when that wasn't working, they fell apart. That wouldn't happen with Embiid because Embiid can just take you to the block and bully you all night and pretty much does that to anybody. He yeah. even out, out bullies Giannis when they have their matchups, right? 
So that I think that dynamic with bringing that star, that, that guard star power, the guy that can give you 30 every single night, yep. with Embiid that can give you 30, 40 at any given night, yeah. that is a duo, and I think they would definitely rival and, the Nets. And we have to also see the shakeup in the Eastern Conference, too, as far as what other players are going to move around. Right. Oladipo might get traded. Well, and then we have, mean, to, they would have to package, of, and to get hard, you have to package Simmons with, the, the with Bucks, somebody else. It's crazy as sound. The Bucks might trade Giannis. Like, who knows what oh, happens? You, you ever seen, did you see the news he, about the Bucks? Supposedly, he's ready the, to be. No, no, see the news of the Bucks and the Kings. Oh, no, I didn't. The, the Bucks and the Kings are actually, there's a package deal being talked about behind the scenes. I don't know what that the package deal is. That would be horrible for the NBA if Giannis went to the Sacramento They teams. want Bogdanovich and Harrison Barnes and a pick. I don't know what they're trying to do with that. Burn Milwaukee to the ground if they do that. Move. I think Milwaukee's trying to make some decision. moves. That's a t- Giannis Antetokounmpo for Her- 32-year-old Harrison Barnes? No, no, yeah, and, and Bogdanovich, they really like him. And, I think, and I think a pick. But, uh, I, I back Hold to the, the back sell the thing. every single week if that happens. Oh, okay. Well, okay, that's a fair deal. In a bag of skittles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, dude. I, I, okay. But as a basketball fan, Jesus. as a basketball back to your point, as a basketball fan, I would absolutely love to see James Harden go to the East with Embiid. I think that would be so fun to rival the Nets team that everyone's hyped up about. I think they could be better than them, and I think it'd be fun to watch. All right. Uh, so earlier today, uh, this is my last question, by the way. So earlier today, First Take uh, made a poll on Twitter, and it asked the fans. Which team is most likely to dethrone the Lakers in the West this season? And 71% went with the Warriors. I want to get. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Look, I, I, from, on paper, yes, that is the, yeah. that is a clear cut consensus. I Especially would agree. If they make another move for a Bradley Beal or something. Here, here's the here's the the problem I have though is that now the the Warriors are one are a couple years older, you know, because it's been almost two years since they've actually played Players together. Injury. Draymond Green is nowhere near the player he once was, and he was never all that great. I think we know that why, though, because he doesn't have the surrounding cast. I get that. My right. point, though, is what is he going to get in return from Steph Curry and Klay Thompson? Now, I do expect Klay Thompson's going to get his buckets. I Curry do expect should be fine. Steph Curry's going to get his buckets. Yeah. Just like I expect KD to get his buckets up in Brooklyn. The point, though, is are they coming back as the same players? Because these guys can shoot the lights out. Yeah. But are Clay Thompson's also one of the best defenders in the league. Is he going to be that same guy? Right. Is he going to slow up? His shot that is going to be fine. Right. But yeah. but but Steph already is a liability on the defensive side. Whereas Andrew Wiggins is a really good defender as well. If are they, they going to rely more on Andrew Wiggins? There, to me, there are a lot of unknowns of the Warriors, as crazy as that sounds, even though they're one of the more talented teams in the NBA. Second of all, though, to mention that the, the, the team is a, as a total... They have one of the worst benches in the NBA. Yeah. Go look at their bench Which right now. Which is why it is they're going to make some moves. Yeah, they're going to make some moves. I mean, can you guys name me a guy on their bench right now? Exactly. They're terrible. So you got to have a bench in the NBA, especially in the Western Conference. You got unless you have LeBron James, you got to have a bench, and they don't have that. And, and Steph Curry will be 33 years old this year. Klay Thompson will be 31. Draymond yeah. going to be 31. There's a, they're they're getting older, man. Not everybody can play that late to right. career like LeBron James. So. I, I, I get it. I get why that's the thought because there's the hype around that team going to four straight finals. That's not the same Warriors team anymore. It's that that team is back then. Yeah. They're not going to be another dynasty. They, they, and now they have a legitimate competition because there's no more excuses. They have LeBron James with another top five player. Yeah. That's the difference. So to, to answer the question, I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet because we have to see what the Utah Jazz or not the Utah Jazz, no, but it's the, the, it's Denver the, Nuggets. the Denver Nuggets are the team. I it's, think that's it's, the team. The Denver Nuggets prove that because not only were they young and they completely overachieved, now they have that experience under their belt. Now they're super confident, right? Because they were the underdogs the entire postseason, and they beat the Clippers, who was supposed to be the best team in the, in the West this past postseason. So, for me, it's the Denver Nuggets, obviously. If they get I, I Grant feel, back. I they need like to get obvious. Grant back. 
that's a good, a good role piece player, man. He, I feel like he's an expendable type talent. You can but find you got to replace him then with adequate, but that's, an adequate but that's, replacement. But you got to think Porter Jr. could become that guy too. If Porter yeah. Jr. takes that next he, step, he's next got year, super sharp talent. So I'm saying he's six, six, ten, six, eleven. Can, he, can shoot. Got to handle. Porter becomes an eighteen and five kind of guy. Right. The Warriors, you do got to worry about it. But it, like, like for all those points you just mentioned, the health. I do fully expect him to move that draft pick though. They have a top three pick. I fully expect top three. Second right? overall pick. Yeah. So second, second overall pick. I think they know where they're at right now with their two star players and Draymond Green. They still have a good nucleus. I fully expect them to make moves and probably package. I think Wiggins with that with that with that pick. Maybe get another player. I think I've heard rumblings about Giannis. Bradley Beal. Giannis. I've heard rumblings about Bradley Beal. That would be a, an insanely solid acquisition. I, yeah. And if they the, get Bradley Beal, then we're having a legitimate. Right, that's a guy that can go get you 30, 30 plus yeah. every single yeah, night. You're, you're talking about he's in his prime too. So and a solid defender. People sleep yes. on his defense. He's a, yes. He's just good, undersized. Good that's why. Player. He's undersized. That's why. Six I'm three. Just, I definitely think. I definitely think the Warriors are should absolutely be in that discussion. But right now, you have to give all the respect in the world to the Denver Nuggets for what they did this past postseason. And I fully expect them to take the next step. Yeah, as crazy as it sounds, the Warriors have have something to prove. Yeah, they have something to prove. We don't know what they are. Right. You can't definitively yes. say this team's going to go out there and Clay, win Steph and Clay with chips on their shoulder. Yeah. That's that's it's it is. But yeah. are there are their bodies going to hold up? That's the question. Right. That's, you know, and you have to ask that question. It's a fair question. The West is going to be great next next season. I saw it. Good idea, Red. I liked it. Not bad at yeah. all, buddy. Not too shabby. All right. All right we're going to take a quick break, guys. When we get back, we need to get back to some Chiefs football. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and Panthers. Could this be a potential trap game for the Chiefs? We'll get back to that after this. Spoken podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Woodwell, here inside the Kickle, well, not at the KCPN studios, technically, we're at the Johnny's Tavern off 119th Mobile, Street Mobile studios. studios, our newly acquired studios that have been so gracious, have been awesome to us all night long, and we're so glad to be here. I'm with my guys, Trevor Twidwell, good. Eddie Ortiz, Miss Gad on the ones and twos. We got a, our special guest, actually. It's uh, somebody that was actually in the crowd. Our guy, Luke, is actually going to be joining us to give us his uh, thoughts, his opinions, his takes on what he thinks. Uh, is going to take place in this Chiefs-Panthers game. I'm going to give you guys my thoughts real quick on the, what I think is going to happen in this game. I, 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 I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, this week has been a little uh, clouded with everything else that's been going on in our world, that my focus has been a little bit off of this matchup, along with the fact that I don't really think that the Panthers are a team that the Chiefs should fear. Having said that, I think that the Chiefs have taken on this mentality over these last few weeks of, look, since the Raiders game, since the humbling took place in Arrowhead, since the embarrassment that took place in Arrowhead, this team has realized that although we are better than any team that we will face each and every week, our mentality has to be better than every team each and every single week. And you saw when the Jets game was coming up, you had had all the questions from the media about, you know, Andy... You know, are you going to have your guys mentally prepared? How do you approach a game like this when you know that you're a solid favorite, 20-plus point favorite? He said that that's a good team in the back. Chris Jones said the same thing. That's a good team over there. And everyone thinks that's crazy, but it's genius at the same time because what it does is it gets you to literally believe that you're about to take on a playoff team. You're about to take on a Super Bowl team. And that gets you motivated, and that talent follows that motivation. I think the Chiefs are going to bring that into this game. I don't think that much is going to be different when it comes to the Jets game. I think the Chiefs realize, yes, we are the better team. Yes, we are going to take this team down. 
but we have to go out there and actually make it happen. Now, the Chiefs do have some injuries. Frank Clark will not play in this game. Chris Jones barely, barely got himself through the COVID watch list situation. I thought for sure they weren't going to have him in this game. It looks like they're going to have him back. Sammy Watkins is going to be back. And Mitchell Schwartz might give it a go. So the team is getting healthier at the same time. So you're going to get yourself a full-strength team for the most part. And uh, Lord Jerry Esteem, my guy, yep. is going to be coming back soon, too, or coming back this back. week as well. So things are looking good for the Chiefs, obviously. I mean, it's a 7-1 and season to this point. They're the best team in the NFL with the best player in the world. But this is a team. This is a game against a team that is going to come in here motivated because they believe in Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's actually had a damn good season. And outside of since week two, the Panthers' defense has not allowed more than 25 points in a game. Right. So their defense has actually been playing pretty well. Now, they've not faced an offense this good. And they're going to have their ultimate challenge this week. But we do know one thing, guys. What do we always talk about? When you fit, when the, when it, whatever team comes and faces the Chiefs, you're going to get at least their A-plus effort. You may not get their A-plus game, but you're going to get an A-plus effort from whoever's facing because that target is on your back. Yeah. Now, I'm going to start with our guest for a second here. Our guy, Luke. By the way, did Vader end up telling you that he is your father, or are you still trying to figure that one out? <laughs> I haven't decided yet. But, Luke, what are, what are your thoughts? And we're glad to have, thank you so much for coming up here, man, with us. I want to get your thoughts on this game. I'm assuming that you follow the Chiefs at least a little bit closely. What do you think is going to happen in this game Sunday? Uh, well, Christian McCaffrey is, uh, you know, expected to be back for the first time in five, six, seven weeks. Not maybe not seven weeks, but uh, Panthers have got a little bit extra time to recover for this game. They, uh, they, did play, they, they had the Thursday night game previous against the Falcons, so uh, I'll be in a loss. Uh, a little bit of a mini buy there. Week one, they were at home. They lost to the Raiders, who are the Chiefs' only defeat so far this year. Uh, I believe they lost it 30.30, very back and forth there. So they they matched up well with a, uh, a common opponent, if you will. Uh, I echo your thoughts on uh, Bridgewater, a very effective guy. He's not going to throw. Now, to be fair, the Panthers don't have that vertical threat that the uh, that the Chiefs have with uh, a guy like Eno Cheetah or whatever, what have you. Um, it's it's going to be really. I like how you said they they haven't given over 25 points in like you know however how many games now. Because, I mean, the Chiefs get held to under 25, like, almost never. Yeah. Like, I, th I think they scored 24 more times than, you know, the sun came up in the west the next day, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, um, pretty obvious what the Panthers game plan is. And, uh, I mean, football, is, it's, it's really not a hard game, though. It, it, it really is. It, it, football one-on-one, you got to win up front. You run the ball, you stop the run. Yep. We already mentioned McCaffrey back. Now, he's, he's, he's as much of a receiver as he's a running back. But... The, the theory remains the same. They want to they win on first down, they want to get the third short, they want to move the sticks, they want to keep them on the sideline. Um, I think the best carbon copy we've seen of that in the last, well, basically since Mahomes has been the everyday starter, probably week five, week six a year ago against the Colts. Yeah, uh, put them on the Mac game. Yep. So uh, I think the, the closest that Carolina can come to replicating that that performance at the Colts a year ago, the, the Absolutely. Now, Trev, my, my thoughts on this game is, and I love that point you brought about about uh, 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 Christian McCaffrey coming yep. back, because we don't exactly know what we'll be getting back from him, but here's the thing. 70% of Christian McCaffrey is better than 90% of most running backs. And and, and he and, and Luke brought up the versatility of Christian McCaffrey, where he is equally as effective in the pass game as he is in the running game. You can even make the case he's a better receiver sometimes than as a running back. Yeah. We do know the Chiefs struggle against running backs. Eddie, you brought that concern up early in the show. Do you think it matters, though, in this game when it comes to Christian McCaffrey? Let's say Christian McCaffrey goes off for 240 total yards and gets a touchdown. Yeah. Is that going to be an actual factor in this game, or are the Chiefs going to say, look, let him do his thing, 
but no one else in this offense is going to take us down. Well, there's never really been a game in Christian McCaffrey's career so far that he's had a bad game. He pretty much gets his every single week, win or loss, win or lose. Um, I do think this is a game to where I know we talked about our defense has kind of been don't break against the run. I think this is kind of a game because if I'm the way the, the Carolina Panthers run their offense and the way it's structured and with their quarterback, it's very eerily similar to our Alex Smith Chiefs offense. They have a lot of speed, a lot of good playmakers when you get the ball in their hands, you know, with Tyreek and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey, guys like that. that and, and, and Bridgewater is a very similar yeah. style player than yeah. Alex Smith. He's pretty much Alex Smith. Yeah. The way he plays, he's he's athletic when he wants to be more conservative. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. He, he, but when he when he's at, when he shows his athleticism and runs, he's not looking down the field, right. and he's not good at throwing on the run. Very similar to Alex Smith, and we have a, they have a very talented running back who's just now getting back, which is just kind of the worst time to face them because they're at full absolute full strength. Because he's got Samuel back too, who's an absolute stud playmaker. Um, so they have two of the most deadliest guys with the ball, and they have two legitimate deep threats in wide receiver and Moore and Robbie Anderson, yeah. who have been great all year. Yeah. Um, but they haven't. I don't think they. Outside of the Bears and maybe the Saints, but the Saints secondary is very has been pretty trash all year. They're, we're probably the best secondary they're going to face all year so far. Maybe the Bucks. The Bucks have been pretty good so yeah, far. I would say the Bucks. Yeah. Um, but as far as us not allowing us to, I mean, this might be a game where I say like we more focus on stopping the run and underneath game because that's where they beat you. Because very rarely do do the uh, uh, Panthers beat you over the top. I know they have deep threats, but those guys are more field stretchers to open up the offense. Four guys like Christian McCaffrey and, and Samuel. Um, so I, I, I think our defense should really focus on not allowing too much for McCaffrey and Samuel because those guys, similar to Tyreek Hill, are very deadly when you just get them in space. Well, to add to the trend of does it matter, let me ask you, Eddie, on the offensive side of things for the Chiefs, we've now seen them beat teams in multiple ways. Yeah. We've seen them dominate on the run game against the Bills, and we saw them just absolutely obliterate and embarrass the Jets in the air game. First of all, which one would you like to see the Chiefs attack the Panthers with? And does it matter? Because I do believe that the Chiefs want to go out there and run the ball and, and run effectively. I think they'll do it. If they want to throw the ball, obviously they're going to be able to do that. Do you think it matters, though? And which way would you want to see them do it? Uh, I want to see a uh, time of possession here. Uh, okay. So I would go on the run game. I, I think I would I would run the ball just for the fact that I've seen, our, like, like I said earlier on the show, this defense struggles against the run. Now... You're not going up against just a running back. You're going probably up against the best running back in the league right now. Yeah. So, what you want to get that guy on the sidelines just like you want to do with Mahomes, who is the best quarterback in the league. But if you can just keep him on the sidelines, keep running the clock, keep chewing the clock, I think the Chiefs are going to easily take this W. I don't think there's going to be any competition on the other side other than them just running the ball. But if you keep him... On the sidelines, so you won't you won't run into that issue. Now, we'll go ahead, Trevor. I was gonna say, I, I think what we should do—that sounds good. That sounds like a good second half plan. I think what we should do, because Carolina is not a team that can come back. Yeah, like, no. like I said, they're very similar to that Alex Smith-led Chiefs team. Yeah, we were good with the lead. The quarterback is, is limited to. His team, I think we should go out and try to get a double-digit score right off the bat, and then run the ball down their throat. Because if we keep if we build up a lead and force them to tr- keep playing, keep you know keep up. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I think only the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs only had two touchdown scoring drives to start a game this that's season. That's what I'm saying. Then we need to be yeah. mistaken. And, and but I'm gonna say about the Panthers. So defense, slow starts is a problem. The Panthers yeah. defense plays very similar to our defense currently right now. Yeah. They're a bend don't break. They're a run funnel defense. They let teams run all over and then they tighten up in the red zone, similar to us. This is why they haven't allowed a lot of high scoring games. I think the Bucks put up like 34. I think that was the highest scoring opponent they've had. Yeah. Or no, I think no, the Raiders, Raiders Raiders week one, yeah, 34. 34. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Since I mean, week two, though, like I said, their defense is really clean. They play similar to ours. They don't let you beat them. Yeah. They play very soft zone. Yeah. And Mahomes is 
struggled a couple times against that, but I don't think they'll be able to get the pressure on Mahomes that we think. Now, let me ask you a question, Luke. Uh, something that I don't think the Panthers have been getting enough credit for in particular is their coaching. I think Matt Rule has had an unbelievable season at this point, especially as early as it's all been with the expectations being zero with the Panthers. Everybody thought Ron Rivera, Cam Newton are gone. I didn't have any I think this, I had this team as a three-win team. I think they already have three wins. So yeah. it, so this team is is obviously overachieving, and I think Matt Rule has done a better job than most expected, at least up front. But we've seen him everywhere he's gone, he's excelled. And I expect him to do that still in Carolina when he gets his quarterback, ultimately. But I want to know, in your opinion, how do you anticipate that the Panthers are going to attack the Chiefs? Let's say this the Chiefs start slow again offensively. Do you think they're just going to try to run the ball, run the ball? Because we've seen trade teams try to do that against the Chiefs, and it works, but not in the scoring column. Do you think they try to keep that trend going? Or do you think they allow Teddy Bridgewater to do more of the dictating on the offense? Uh, they, they know what Teddy Bridgewater is. He's not going to do what he's not. He's not going to do. He, he's not going to try to. He's not going to try to find a booth to go to turn Superman. Like he knows what he is. He's, he's Clark Kent. That's fine. Yeah. He can win with Clark Kent quarterback. You really can. <laughs> and, and, and in their cases, he's really their best option. So, uh, as far as Matt Rule goes, um, you're talking to an absolute college football junkie, like beyond junkie. I absolutely love college football. He took Temple to, like, back-to-back 10 wins. Yeah. Seasons. Came into Baylor after the whole Art Riles fiasco <laughs> and had them in the Big 12 championship game last year. Right. So, <laughs> the guy can coach. He can. <laughs> Very often. As soon as he gets, you know, a year or two with his, uh, with his feet on the ground there, uh, presumably, presumably, Ryan and Brady and Breeze will be out of the league, you know, in what, two, three years from now. Yeah. It's going to be Carolina's division to, to own. That's yeah. a good point. So, oh. I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is that guy, you know, long term for him. I think he's a great stopgap. He's a stopgap, yeah. But the thing is, they had a 14 to 6 lead against the Falcons on that Thursday night game. Yeah. And so, you want to say they're a play from ahead team, except we've, we've seen them losing their play from ahead. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the time of possession form. Well, you got Hardman, you got Hill, you got mm-hmm. Kelsey, you got... Go put it on. Sammy Watkins is coming back. Yeah. <laughs> they can score two plays. So if they have the ball for, you know, 43, 44 minutes, it's, it's kind of a moot point if they're giving a touchdown to three plays. Now, some, I can't take credit for this. I heard this on the radio the other day, though. When they played the Saints... I believe before the, fan, before the Falcons game, they played the Saints. Mm-hmm. They had the ball for 43 plays in that game. I don't know how that happens. They ran 43 offensive plays. Yeah. They scored 24 points. That was a close game the whole way. So they averaged almost two points per play. Right. So they got some, uh, to quote my, my man Clark Keller, some spurtability mm-hmm. when, when necessary. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, this game is, I believe, it's going to be viewed as, even though the Chiefs have a bye week coming up afterward, it can be viewed as a trap game. But see, the reason why, again, and it's not just the mentality of it all when it comes to not underestimating your opponent after getting humbled by the Raiders by eight points at home. Yeah. It's also the fact that I think that the Chiefs know, look, man, we got a lot of rest coming up. And we don't have a tough schedule for the rest of the season outside of that Bucks game. Yeah. So, why don't we just go out here and take care of business? Why don't we just go out here and be efficient? We, we, there was a get-right game against like the Jets. Football. You got that confident confidence going down downfield again. You know, yeah. the, the connection between Tyreek Hill I want to see that and Patrick continue. Mahomes happening again. Right. It seems like damn near the first time since 2018 yeah. or the Wasp play in the Super Bowl, if you will. 
But I, I really think that the Chiefs are going to come in here and they're going to take care of business. I really do think they're going to score a lot of points in this game. I think that Andy Reid wants to make it wants to make another statement and going into the bye week to give the Raiders something to look at. Yeah. To say, hey, look, man, you guys did this to us and we're going to tip our caps to you. You did a little victory wrap around Arrowhead that was cute as hell. We're going to go into your house and beat the shit out of you inside your stadium. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think that the Chiefs are just building themselves toward that goal of, look, man, you're just the next... You know, cog in the wheel. You're just you're just basically another part of how we're just going to build our success in the running back tour. So, final question for Trevor: how, how, Do you is there anything that worries you about this game, though, matchup wise? Absolutely, and it's not just Christian McCaffrey. I said because I think that's like you no, said no, he's no. never had a bad game. But is there something that concerns you about the matchup? DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and now they have Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis as the second backup. I mean, that is a loaded offensive roster. I'm not going to say that, the, like I said, their quarterback is what holds that offense back. In my mind, I like Teddy B, but similar to Alex Smith, it doesn't op- he doesn't open up the offense. He doesn't have the, 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 the uh, intangibles. That, like, yeah, he doesn't have the credibility. Um, but I absolutely think that this roster offensively needs to be respected. Um, they've been in every single game. I know they've only won, only won three. But they went toe-to-toe with Tampa Bay. They went toe-to-toe with the Saints. You know, they, I know they lost the Raiders, but they had to lead the majority of that time. That, that Raiders week one game was a very fun, impressive win for the Raiders because they came back. They were trailing. Um, but overall, I mean, this has been – and they've and they've won three games. All three of their wins have been without Christian McCaffrey against, you know, a, a, they played the Bears. You know, they played a tough – that division is tough in itself. So they've been a very resilient team. Uh, this is a team I think I fully expect we need to take very seriously. And I think Andy Reid is ready for that because he knows that they're very well coached. And it's a very young, offensive-minded coach. And those teams, seen the last decade or so, with young offensive coaches coming in have had success. And teams right? like that are dangerous because you have young players bought into a young coach. And you don't think the players want to get up for Christian no McCaffrey's to return? Win. Yeah. Right. And you don't think they want to showcase Christian McCaffrey, get him get him some good plays, right. get him a score or two? Right. They're going to want to put some points up against us. And that, they know they need to put a points against us. That's why I think we need to come in, come in and start this game, blow, you know, open the floodgates and score, you know, get up quick, have some explosive plays, you know, put a little shit in the pants of the Raiders looking forward to the next game. Yeah. I think we need to go in there and score 30-plus. I lied. I said that was the last question, but, Luke, I have one more question for you. Why the hell don't you have a college football podcast, and why isn't it with KCPN? What are, what are, what are you doing, man? You're hiding your talents here. I, mean, I was actually talking to her off camera about this. Uh, I did, me, and, uh, me and a couple of friends of mine back when we used to live in peace, we did have a uh, – we had two podcasts, actually. We had one that was called uh, Game Ball NFL End Zone, which was a pro podcast. We had another one called uh, Game Ball College Kickoff, which was a college podcast as well. Uh, yes. Ever since the end of last year, uh, we've been on kind of a hiatus for uh, a myriad of reasons. But it, it, it has been something I've tapped into before. Yeah, well, are you on social media at all? I, I, I am, yes. Okay, you have Twitter or anything like that? You like I, to... I, I, I have a Twitter, I have a Facebook, I have an Instagram. Right, I have well... Snapchat, but I'll never download Snapchat again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if, if, because of the fact this is a sports show, uh, most of our followers are on on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to give the people your Twitter handle so they can follow you, because obviously you got some knowledge, man, go ahead and drop that handle. Uh, I actually got my real name on Twitter. I need to get a burner account. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but my Twitter handle is Luke Hartnett Two. Okay, awesome, man. Yeah, well. Obviously, I mean, he, he just upstaged all of us on Follow our own show, boy, so I, I really appreciate you being here, man, and you're always welcome to come hang out with us as hey, much as you want. Man, you mentioned that the Buccaneers are the Chiefs play for many hard game. I want to point out they have the Saints, and they play the Dolphins as well, too. I think they play the Saints and the Dolphins back to back. No, they play Tampa. They play two of the teams back to back. Yeah. Right around Christmas. Yeah. Chiefs, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, Chiefs kick up at noon this weekend, and 
Also at noon, you got Russell Wilson and Josh Allen going head to head. Yeah. The Sunday night game, you got Breeze and Brady going head to head. If you have the time in that three o'clock window, and it's not going to be a national broadcast game for some reason with the Cowboys and Steelers on this one, find <laughs> you an app talking about how we stream the game. Come to Johnny's. Go somewhere where you can watch the Cardinals and the Dolphins play. Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah. Yeah, years. man. Yeah. AFC versus NFC. It's a matchup we're only going to get to see. Maybe one time ever. Yeah. yeah. We don't know what's going to yeah. happen with Tua. We have no idea what's going to happen with Tua. Might get traded. Even if they stay healthy for the duration of the careers, the likelihood of them both going to the Super Bowl in the same year is yeah. extremely the unlikely. Right. So over a 12-year course, they're going to play, what, three times? Yeah. yeah. Right. Please, if you're not doing anything between the 3 and 6 o'clock window this Sunday, do whatever you can to get watch your popcorn. Miami. And besides, how, what's the next time you're going to be able to pimp a... Uh, Miami versus Arizona Cardinals. No joke. <laughs> yeah, when was the last time you were like looking forward to watching those two franchises play, man? It might be the last time too. I mean, we pray sake, man. That's awesome. And yo, thank you for that drop because I didn't even think about that. Some really good math you just brought up there. Yeah, that was great, man. So hey guys, we're gonna take a quick break. We get back, we're gonna take you to the Monday mailbag, get what you guys' thoughts are, what you guys are heated on, what you guys want to discuss. We'll give you guys our thoughts and opinions on. We'll get back to that after this.
Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every single week is we give you guys the platform, the opportunity to basically take over the show for an entire segment. You guys give us what you're thinking, what your questions are, your debates, your topics, your discussions in the world of sports, and we tackle these sons of bitches. So we're going to get right to it. Eddie, what is in the Monday Mailbag? All right. First question comes from Billy Hodge. You know, I haven't I haven't read Billy Hodges' name in a while. So well, didn't you guys hang out this last weekend, uh, the weekend before that, and the weekend before well, that? On the SD trip? Every day. trip? Every day, but I don't, I don't like making it public. <laughs> Sorry I put your government out there, bro. My bad. Camp, camp shoot your shorts? Fuck, man. Jeez. Yes. Yeah, I'm done. All right. <laughs> Can't do it. All right. His question is, we are heading to the ninth week of the season. How do you feel about the Chiefs and what do they need to do? To do, uh, what do they need to improve on before the playoffs? Uh, I mean, I, I think the, the easy, low-hanging fruit of it all is just the rush defense. I think that that's the biggest issue the Chiefs have right at this very time. Uh, health is a thing that they need to get. Frank Clark, his knee, it's a knee issue, so that's never a great thing to hear uh, from one of your star rushers. But I, I, overall, like I'm going to be, I'm going to give the Chiefs a lot of credit here because outside of one very, very frustrating loss to the Raiders. The Chiefs have taken care of business in each and every game. Have they played great in every game? No. But see, the reality of it is that we we, we live in this utopian society as Chiefs fans now because of the fact that we have such a great player at Patrick Mahomes that we think that every single game they're going to drop 45 points. The NFL is a very, very competitive league. Even the worst of worst teams are going to give you an A-plus effort like we talk about, especially when you're the Super Bowl champs. So... To be able to come back from winning the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years, then have the coronavirus just take over our world, and then come in here with a lot of unproven players attached to this team, to be able to stay that hungry, that focused, and that dedicated, so you have a 7-1 record right now, being the quintessential best team in the NFL, if you ask me right now, at this, at this current time. I, I think the Chiefs have done nothing but an A. I think I've given them an absolute A. I think they've done an incredible job. Outside, like I said, outside of their their, their minor concerns at, at, at rush, rush defense, which I do think they're going to tighten up. I don't think they're ever going to be elite this year at that, but I think they're going to get better and better as the season progresses. I think a lot of, I guess we've discussed, I think a lot of the rush defense is slightly intentional. We're a little soft in the run game. It can't be I, I, think it's, I think it's intentional, but what? it's hard to nitpick a team every that, that every week they go into every game is the best team on the field. It's hard to nitpick the defending Super Bowl and what they need to get better in or better at. I think the only thing I can say is 
get more healthy, get our guys back because we've had, like you said, we have Frank Clark down this week. We've had Sammy Watkins down the last couple of weeks. We haven't really had. I mean, we had look, we have uh, uh, Sneed coming back this week. We have we're, we're, every time we get somebody back, we we lose somebody. It's like if we can get everybody, you know, as a a coagulated group on the field together and be consistently healthy. That's the main thing. And then for me, the, all, the main thing I've been wanting to nitpick all year that's been a, you know, a, a plank in my eye all year is just finishing tackles. And the last couple of weeks, we've been doing that better. And that's been led by Tyron Matthew. Here Dan and there, Sorensen. Here Dan and there, Sorensen. but Dan Sorensen yeah. by far yeah. has been showing his leadership, uh, showing guys how to make open field tackles. Every single, every single time, you barely, rarely see that guy miss an open field. And it doesn't matter who it is. You can be the shiftiest guy out there, and he still is getting in the ankles. If I can see more of that, that's the main thing. Just get more consistent with finishing tackles, whether it be on the flat or if you get burnt, you know, at least wrap up your guy. Don't let him finish the play. Meet him in the backfield. If you meet him in the backfield, tackle him. Don't just try to get a hand on somebody. Grab his jersey, do whatever you got to do, get a little nasty in there. That's the only thing I really ask for. Outside of that, this team has been who we think they are, you know, the defending champs. So. All right, next question comes from Donnie Couch. Hey, guys, hope you guys had a happy Halloween. Now it's time for lots of food, but back to the mailbag. Uh, if Mahomes doesn't throw another interception, could he win MVP? Also, keep in mind, his on pace for 4,500 yards, uh, 46 total touchdowns, and two interceptions. Well, not to, not to correct our guy, Donnie, and I love him very much, but he's actually on pace for 4,600 yards, yeah, right. 42 touchdowns, and two interceptions. But regardless... Not to make that into the conversation. Damn it, yes. Donnie, you fucked up. Look, man, even if even if Patty throws comment. another four or five interceptions this season, he can absolutely win the MVP because you're talking about having potentially back-to-back seasons of five or fewer interceptions. I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of the NFL for a guy that started at least 14 games in two seasons back-to-back. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's ever – I think Aaron Rodgers would be the only guy that I can really think of that would have a season like that. And, and ironically, that's the one guy you can real draw, really draw comparisons at the talent level – uh, of Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that although Russell Wilson has been in the driver's seat of the MVP for the longest time, the differences in, in, the, in the turnovers is going to play a factor in this in some sort of fashion. And I think the Seahawks are due for a couple more losses this season because that defense is so bad that Russell Wilson is not going to be able to bail them out each and every week. I mean, you saw how the Chiefs offense before Kareem Hunt uh, got cut in 2018. They were averaging over 37 points a game. That team still went 12 and four, and that, that's a great record, obviously. But they took four L's. Yeah, they took four L's, and they were averaging 36 points per game in those L's. So, you're, Russell Wilson can play astounding every single game, and they're still going to lose some games. And unfortunately, people do pay attention to that when it comes to an MVP. Well, what, what was your team record? I don't agree with that, but that's going to play a factor. And I do think, without question, the Chiefs are going to finish with a better record than the Seattle Seahawks this season. And to be honest with you, I think the Seahawks have overachieved a little bit. I know we all picked them to go to the Super Bowl this year, but in with with the fact of all the injuries they've had to like guys like Jamal Adams, who's going to be a key player for them later in the, down the stretch, yeah. they have overachieved in some games. They should have lost a couple of the games they won. It's similar to the 2017 yeah. Chiefs. That's why the whole let Russ cook thing is happening. Right. Because their defense is absolutely right. shit. Right, exactly. So. The run game hasn't been as effective as they thought it was going to be initially. Well, they've been banged up in the run game. They've been, been running again, uh, again, yeah. And when Chris Carson's on the field, he fumbles. So right. it's just it's just <laughs> one of those things that's frustrating for them. But I do think 
there's a really good chance that Patrick Mahomes wins a second MVP this season if he continues to play at the level he is, which I do. If you look at the rest of the schedule, our guy Luke did make a good point that, you know, you have the Buccaneers and Saints. The Saints secondary is terrible. The Saints secondary is terrible, so I think Patrick Mahomes will do some things to them. The, 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 oh, yeah. the Dolphins do have a, a pretty oh, decent secondary, yeah, yeah. so that's going to be fun fun to watch. And we all know the Chargers at the very end of the season, how that defense plays Patty. But if Patty goes out there and puts three or four touchdowns on them, he might put ice on that MVP uh, conversation. So we got a lot of football to go, guys. We're only halfway. We're just right at the halfway mark. Anything could happen, but I'm, I'm putting my money on Patty. I think he's going to end up getting that MVP. I mean, I don't have much more to add to that. I'm right there with you. Yeah. All right. Next question. Are these Jets worse than the 08 Lions? Yes. Because in every team, most most instances, like bad, bad teams, you'll always have like that superstar player, that really, really good player. I mean, Quinton Williams is probably the best player on the Jets. I mean, Sam Darnold, I think, has the potential to be a very good quarterback in this league. And I think he will be once he goes to a good team. I like team. Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims is a good player. He's a good player. I'll, I'll give you that. Could be. Yeah, but, but outside of that, I mean, their, their leading rusher is a 37-year-old Frank Clark. Or Frank, Cl- Frank Gore. Yeah. I love Frank Gore. He's 37 years old. He shouldn't be leading your team in Russia. That's how bad your team is. So I'm going to have to say, and I don't want to sound like Mr. Caught-up-in-the-moment guy, but I, I do think this is arguably the worst team I have ever seen. I, I, I would say so. And I think it's on purpose. I, I think I think they're, this is an absolute tank season. Yeah. I mean, this team is not – you can see it. They're not out there trying to compete. They're out there. They're going in. The, they're trying to get Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we, even before the season even started, there was circulation of trade rumors with Sam Donald. You know where he could possibly go. Um, I think he ends up with the Colts. Well, because he wasn't he wasn't Coach Gase's guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think Coach Gase wants to go in a different direction. Good luck with that. Yeah. Um, I do I do believe in Sam Darnold. I think he's a good raw talent. I think if you surround him with a good scheme, because he's never had consistency whatsoever. Yeah, I think he'll be 24 him. next season. Right. Like, I, I yeah. think he's better than Baker Mayfield, and then Baker Mayfield's just in a better spot. Slightly. I think Sam Darnold's got more talent for sure. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely got a better arm talent. Yeah. Baker might have a better up here right now because he's had a little more confidence boosted behind him because he's had more talent around him. But and he feels as, dangerous. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's a whole different segment. But <laughs> as far as the Jets go, yeah, the Jets might be the worst football team I think I've ever seen. So you, do you think my prediction of 0-16 is... Uh, oh, it's... Yeah. You might yeah. as well, yeah. You might as well pencil that one in. Yeah, if you put a bet on that, you'd probably lose money. <laughs> yeah. I, I, th- I definitely think they're going to drop... At, at best, they're going to be a 1-15 in team. They, they might sneak it, sneak an upset. Yeah, I know. You look at the rest of the. <laughs> I, think, I, I think they. Put, I mean, who the knows? The, the Bills maybe? have been trying to lose games, so maybe they'll give them one. I don't know. They they're almost lost bad. last they're week. They're already bad, and they can't even keep bad players on the field because they're all getting hurt. <laughs> right. All right. Next question. Did, did you guys like some of the uh, some of the more diverse routes Miko Harmon ran this game? You know, I feel like Hannibal from 18, Man, I love when a plan comes together because. <laughs> I've been trying to tell you guys, and, and I know you guys have been on board with me on this, but there's been a lot of pushback on McCole Hardman this year. People seem to forget a couple facts. One, McCole Hardman is tr- He is a puppy in this league, man. Like, I know this is his second year, and everyone always expects that jolt from, you know, from first year to the second year. A puppy that's got have- more touchdowns than a lot of elite. <laughs> I mean, he's got, dude, since the beginning yeah. of last season, he has more receiving touchdowns than Michael Thomas. Yeah. Now, I know Michael Thomas has been out this year, but that, you can't ignore Still, that. Yeah. And Julio Jones, he's got more touchdowns. I know Julio Jones is not a touchdown guy, right. but he's arguably the best receiver in the league, and McCole Hartman's got more touchdowns than he does on the limited volume he's, he's that the he third, gets. Option right. Yeah. So that's my point, is that 
Cole Hardman is working himself into an offense that he is not he's, even the third he's option perfect in. For, he's perfect for this and he's offense. productive. He's catching a touchdown on almost 20% of his career receptions. Yeah. That is insane. Like to be able to be able to do that. So I don't understand the pushback. So to answer the question as honestly as I can, I yes, it's very impressive, but I saw it coming because this kid has got the talent to get the job done. I truly believe the Chiefs made as crazy as this sounds, DK Metcalf is the better player between the two. McCole Hardman fits needs that the Chiefs had or thought they were going to have when Tyreek Hill was going to be cut or suspended or whatever the case was going to be. Come to find out he was innocent, so there was no problem there. But now you're just adding another speed to this offense that they already love that type of receiver. DK Metcalf would do his thing in this offense, but it would be a much different type of offense they'd have to run around him as opposed to a guy like McCole Hardman who fits seamlessly into this offense. He just doesn't get the volume. Is, does he need to work on his routing, route running? Yes. He's 22 years old, though. I mean, show me the 22-year... A list of guys in the league right now that 22 years old are running a perfect route tree. You're learning as you go in the pros. You can be great in the league, but not everybody just walks in running, literally. It doesn't happen. Some guys do. Some guys run into... Randy Moss was that guy. Day one was an all-star... Was a Pro Bowl player. OBJ, yes. Guys just walk in. Sometimes they're just great. But are we... Is it fair to put McCole Harmon in that caliber? You gotta be Randy Moss. You gotta be OBJ. No. So let him grow. He is a young pup. If he was 27 right now, yeah, I'd be worried. Yeah. I'd be really worried. Because that'd be his sixth, seventh year in the league. It's in his second season. For Christ's sake, give this guy some time. Yeah, what's the hardest thing to defend as a defensive as a, as a defense in the NFL? It's not route running. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not separation. It's speed. The toughest thing, and we've seen that how many times when we do the little the little uh, pre-snap motion in the routes. Just get the ball in the kid's hand and he can make something happen. Home run Hardman, dude, I'm right. telling you. So, I mean, speed being the, the toughest thing to defend in this league. If, you, if, he gets, if he gets behind you, good luck. He's that guy, he has the, his straight line speed is right up there with Tyrese. Right up there with him. He's very good. To, he's got to work on his ability as far as route running, getting separation from guys. But he is getting better what I noticed in that Jets game was him finding the soft spots in the defense. Because he wasn't getting, he, wasn't, he hasn't been very good at that throughout his career so far at finding where to be. Where to find that spot where Mahomes can find him? Yeah, he, he gets lost a lot of times in the, in, in the, especially in zone. He doesn't know where to find that where the, if the safety's you know lingering off to one side to to you know kind of hide behind him and pop open in the soft spot of the zone. He did that against the Jets numerous times, and he scored on that one play, which was that in round play was great. Just getting the ball in his hands is deadly. But if he starts learning routes and he takes over that Sammy Watkins, true you know X Y receiver Z Y receiver type player. The sky's the limit for the kid, for real. I mean, in this offense especially, if he doesn't have all the pressure of being the number one, Tyreek already bears that burden. Travis Kelsey bears that burden. Half Could you imagine well. if McCole Harmon learned how to use his feet like Sammy does yeah. with his speed? Because Sammy is, is Sammy can be a speedster too. Well, he develops into like but a imagine McCole Harmon with that footwork. Imagine him learning be, that. He could be because him the body type and everything. Stephon Diggs are very similar. Yeah, if he can learn routes like Stephon Diggs. The kid could be an elite receiver in this league. Oh, the man. speed alone. Don't sleep so on my guy Nicole. Don't sleep on my guy He's just got to work on the technique. Yeah. That's the main thing. The, the fundamentals and the technique. If he gets that down, he's already got the raw abilities. I absolutely love what I saw from, from him in this past game. I expect to see more of it continuing. And I love that Andy Reid and the coaching staff is kind of hearing the rumblings about him. I, I fully do believe that they're very aware. Um, and they made it clear to get him touches. And that's why when we previewed the game last week, I fully expected them to get his confidence up. 
You get that that young Bulls confidence up? Yeah. It was perfect timing because Sammy yeah. Watkins being out the last few weeks. Yeah, it gives McCall Harbin all and the opportunity. Also, too, with Pringle, with Pringle taking yeah. uh, punt returns, kick returns, yeah. that adds more, you know, less stress on his shoulders. Right. And I didn't focus know on the with, uh, you, you brought Pringle up. I didn't know he was that fast. He was a kick returner at K-State. So, yeah, he, he's got speed, man. Yeah. yeah. Pringle's legit when it comes to that type that's of stuff. That's the kind of guys we have on our practice squad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right, that's yeah. Just chilling. Yep. All right, man. Uh, Donnie Couch again. Can we extend Derek Naughty right now? The men is a monster against the run. Dude, Naughty by nature has been not, been nice this year. Uh, I, I, if, if, the, if the Chiefs can find a way to keep him at a reasonable price, which I expect them to, because he, he's been all Chiefs. He's not a guy that wants to. I mean, I'm sure he, if there's an offer out there from a team that's desperate enough to overpay for him, then, yeah, then obviously the Chiefs say, hey, you know, congratulations to your new contract, you know, and shake hands and part ways. Yeah. But if, I, I do believe that you can get him on a, not a Mike Pinnell type of, you're going to pay him more than Mike Pinnell. But I do think that the Chiefs can get him on a two-year deal, three-year deal, worth $15 million and pay him what he's worth. I think it can happen. Do the Chiefs really want him that badly? I don't know, but I do. I do like. I do like what I've seen from him, especially this year, where they've really had to rely on him a lot more than they normally have, and he has answered that. Him and Wharton have been unbelievable yep. this season. Wharton was an undrafted guy. Taco Charlton. Yeah, Taco Charlton. These guys, yeah. like these these ragtag kind of guys. Nobody knew who Naughty was coming yeah. coming into the last couple of years, and he's absolutely developed. And I and I I really would like to see him here for the next couple of years. I also think he can find a way to keep all these guys around. I think these guys love being here. I think it's especially if you run it back. If you run it back, why would you not want to stay here? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Super Bowl tax is nice, though. For sure. You know, for so sure. you can go out there and get paid. You go get paid. No, that was, well, that's what we thought Pinnell was going to do, and he didn't. Well, I think COVID kind of put a damper on that. For sure. For yeah. sure. And it might, I mean, shit. We, we lucked out on that we one. We don't know what we're going to get out of COVID. I think, I, mean? I, think, I think Sammy would have got paid somewhere else. I really do. I know, I know Sammy said, I know Sammy said, I want to be here and the money doesn't matter. Yeah. I think any other offseason, no COVID, I, it'd be hard for me to see. Put, you know, you pass on like, $60 million dollars or something. And, yeah, yeah some, off, some team offers him $60 million. I, I think he's taking it. I, I, you know, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad yeah, he's yeah. here. All right, next question. Uh, you brought up this guy not that long ago. Why did Tershawn Wharton go undrafted? You know, I don't know if there's a definitive answer. Um, in the NFL, you miss all the time. Teams miss on guys all the time. I mean, Russell Wilson fell to the third round. Tyreek Hill, because of legal issues, albeit, fell to, I think, the fifth round. Uh, you know, Tom Brady fell to the sixth. I mean, like, that, this stuff's going to happen. Tony Romo went undrafted. Uh, Willie Parker went undrafted. Like, he set a record in the Super Bowl for most Super Bowl at that time. Like, th there's guys that just go undrafted. That, that shows that's a to the talent that we have in the NFL is you can have guys that literally go on draft to become Hall of Fame type of guys. This stuff happens, man. Zach Thomas from uh, the, the Dolphins, I don't believe he was Joel drafted. Lindsay, solid yeah, Zach Thomas is one of the greatest tacklers in NFL history. And nobody Raven knew who the hell the guy was. Pulling, that kid this year has been a yeah, I, mean, I, can just I can just sit here and list off guys. The point is, Diamonds in the rough are a real thing in the NFL. It doesn't happen as much in the NBA. You kind of just know what a guy well, is. Situation helps. Yes, yeah, that is that is a very situation true thing. Tom Brady's sweet. assessment of that. Yeah. The point though is that Wharton is just one of those guys that fell into a right situation, has the talent, has the capability, has the drive. A lot of luck was involved, and now he is who he is. Is he a superstar player? No. But is he, is he contributing to a Super Bowl winning team? Yes. And I think that's what he—that's what he is. And you, just need, you need to give praise to guys like Veach for finding these types of guys and plugging in them and implementing them into this defense. And Spagnola making him into the player that he is. There's a lot 
lot of credit to be given out there. But like I said, it's just it's the talent of the NFL that you got to give praise to because that's what it's at, man. You have dudes that will never make it in the league that are out there blowing by your average Joes that look like superhumans and they didn't make the league. Yep. Yeah, so was the question about Wharton? Yeah. What was specifically about? Uh, like, why did he go on Jackie? Oh, I mean, that happens almost every year, though. Like you, like you said, there's always those diamonds in the rough guys, um, especially defensive end. Defensive end, defensive lineman. There's so many guys that don't make the league that can literally go walk on a team somewhere. That's just how it is. The depth of that position is so deep uh, coming out of college. There's so many good players in small schools even that, that never really get a chance. and never They go unnoticed because they're, you know what I mean? But Veach, like you said, Veach is the guy that we need to talk about here because Veach just knows how to find those guys. He knows how to the puzzle piece type of guys. Yep. Um, Veach, so, he's in a fan. Credit to Veach. Um, but, I mean, guys like that, guys like Wharton go unnoticed. Or slip through the cracks almost every single draft. So it's not a surprise, but I'm glad he's on our roster, that's for sure. All right, Donnie Couch again. Is it time to move for, uh, Charvarius Ward to more of a backup role and let Snead take his place? Uh, I don't know if it's going to be he needs to go to a backup role. I mean, he has been struggling this year. He's definitely digressed from last season. Charvarius Ward has not played like he did last season, no question. I, I think it's a little early, though, to, to just basically push him to the side right now. Uh, because he hasn't really cost the Chiefs any games. I I know in the Raiders game it looked like he was getting burnt, but there was a lot of mishaps going on in the secondary in that game. They talked about that. Well, Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew weren't on the same page with their cornerbacks. He was giving some leeway to the inside of the field to uh, uh, Ruggs, and Ruggs just burned the middle of the field. There was no safety help. Charverius thought that was happening. Didn't get it. Ended up being a touchdown. Thornhill and, was trash that game. Yeah, he was horrible. So I think that was more on the safeties. I'm not trying to defend Charverius because, like I said, he's not been good this season, as, as good as he was last season. I had you guys. I told you I thought Shavarius Ward was going to be that Chiefs player that took that next step this year. He, cl he clearly hasn't. Lord Jarius Sneed, my guy. I would let me answer it like this. I would like to see Lord Jarius Sneed at least split snaps with Charverius to see if that could be the X factor. If, if, if at that point, if you see Sneed by like week 11, week 12 after the bye week, end up being the better player between him and Charverius, then we can have that conversation. Although Snead has played really well early this year, we, we need to see if he, that is a for real thing because this guy was a six-round pick for a reason. We don't know what he really is at this point. Shavarius Ward to this point has been the better player because we have more of a volume, more of a sample size, more of a body of work of him. So I want to give him the opportunity to basically keep his job until he starts costing the Chiefs games. And if he goes out there and goes full Scandrick on us, then yeah, you have no choice and you need to put Snead there full throttle. But in the meantime, I'm going to let my guy Shavarius Ward continue to cook and continue to because he's only 23 years old as well. So we need to let him have an opportunity. Here. Just going to sleep on my guy Rashad Fenton like that? Man. Fenton's been great in the nickel, hey, man. That's he's a guy I think needs to get more playing yes, time. Yes. Rashad Fenton, he was getting attacked when he was in filling in for, for, uh, um, for our, our number one quarter. Rashad Breeland. Rashad Breeland. Yeah, he's been still for Breeland. Yeah. He was get, they were That's why I didn't bring him up, though, because I know he's he going to get playing time. He was holding up. He was, <laughs> he's going to get I plenty love, of PT. I love the grittiness to Rashad Fenton. I even love when he, when he played in the Super Bowl. He showed out. He holds his own. Uh, but I think I, I said from the beginning of the year, when we first talked about is, is uh, um, are, are our corners going to take the next step as far as all our guys? I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I think Ladarius Sneed is our best corner at this point. From what I've seen on the tape so far, I know he's been hurt the last couple weeks. Yeah. But when he was out there, he knew, he knew where to be. He's a he baller. knew how to track the ball. Similar, not Marcus Peters esque because he didn't leave his assignment nearly as much as Marcus Peters. He's way more disciplined. But he's yeah. a ball hawk yeah. at the yeah. same time. Yeah. He's very disciplined. Yeah. I think he could become one of those island guys. I heard he's a film rat too, so I, I love that about I, him. Everything I saw on the film with him, <laughs> yeah. every time he was on the field, he was making plays. Yeah. He was wrapping guys up, making tackles. That's what you want to see out of a cornerback. So a lot of corners don't like to tackle because it's a business you know, decision. 
I, I think I think Snead's our best corner. I really do, and I think we'll see some more. I think we're going to get him back out for this week yeah. and see some more of him. I just think he's yeah. a, an aggressive playmaker, and that's what we need a corner. Because we have guys that can that can cover, that can maintain, don't get beat over the top. Even though Ward's been getting beat over the top, he's one of the only few guys that's really getting, getting beat over the top, and that's why I feel like he's kind of regressed. I don't think he's, Ward has taken that next step this year. I think he's kind of taken a step back. Oh, yeah, back. no doubt, no doubt. And I think he's, I don't know if he's crumbling to the pressure of these two guys below him that I think are better than Rashad Fenton and Sneed. I think Rashad Fenton and Sneed did get more minutes, more more snaps. So I think I think I'm glad we have Sneed back because I really want to see him go out there and make more plays. And his rookie campaign has been great so far. Yeah. All right. Next question: Do the Chiefs have the best safety group in the NFL when you include Daniel Sorensen? Best safety? Oh, it's up there. I mean, it's not. It, I, I don't know if it is the best. I, I would good. definitely say they're elite. I would definitely say they're an elite. Uh, uh, because of the fact that Juan Thornhill, when he's at his best, is one of the better safeties. Young safeties, I'll, I'll, I'll contextualize it. Young safeties. And Tyron Matthews is an easily top five yes. safety in the league. Um, just off leadership alone, let alone talent and what he performs I mean, You can on. talk about Jamal Adams in Seattle, but they don't have a duo there. It's really Yeah, Jamal that's Adams. what I'm saying. Like It's just him and, and everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's better names out there and things like that. I, I'm sure there's a defense that I'm missing that has a, a stout secondary. Um, but I will say that the Chiefs, I would say, are top three to five safety core in the league. I don't know if I want to give them enough credit to say they're the best, but they're but they're they're well above average. They're way they're very, very good secondary, uh, especially the back end. Especially the way Sorensen's played this year. Um Sorensen's not a great like full time starter guy, but when you need a good guy to go out there and make a pop on third down, he's your man. So if you that's your third safety you're, you're doing pretty good. So I, yeah, I would say they're up there with the top three. I'd five. say uh, um, Trey Edmonds and Mika Fitzpatrick and, 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 and the Steelers. There, I, think yeah. that's, I think that's a very yeah. good duo there, yeah. especially Mika. Mika might be the best safety. And, and Earl right Thomas now. and his brother. They're really good, too. So. <laughs> yeah, tag team duo over there. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of like a Mika Fitzpatrick stan. Yeah. I love – I wanted him so bad for the yeah. Chiefs when he, was, uh, when he was looking for a trade. Um, Mika is an absolute stud, and, and Trey Edmonds is absolutely a stud as well. So I think, besides the Chiefs, I think that's one of the teams that would rival us for the best duo. But outside of that, there's not a lot of good safety duos really overall. Um, there's a lot of good teams that have good defense that have a single leader in, in the safety room. But yeah, I mean, Juan Thornhill and, and Tyron definitely are up there for the best. I mean, why not? I, I, I can't really argue it too much to where there's not really a, like a specific team outside of the Steelers that stands out yeah. to me, honestly. Alright, Donnie Couch's last question. Is, is Tommy Townsend better than Joe Flacco right now? <laughs> oh my god. Deep dive. <laughs> god damn it. What, what, what have we created here? Skip. We've created a, a monster. Can I put my skip card down? <laughs> Look, man, Joe Flacco's elite, alright? <laughs> no. <laughs> Best deep ball throw in the league. Yeah. I will say this. Tommy was the better quarterback on Sunday than Joe Flacco. I will say that. How about Tommy. that? He actually got a completion. All right? I'll give him that. Yeah, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> Who has better hair? How about that, huh? I'll hey, go Flacco, with Tommy. Flacco I'll go with Tommy. He can grow a, a, a sexy stash. I'll say that. <laughs> Nick has got a good beard and a stash, so I'll give All him right. that. All right. Next question comes from Sippy Sports Show. Did Bell get benched because of injury or his playing? Bell is in Le'Veon Bell. I assume that's the only Bell we got. We get benched? I don't think I don't think Le'Veon Bell got like got benched. I think that the game plan changed uh, because of the fact, like we talked earlier, that the Adam Gase and his defense were like, "Look, you're not running on us today. We're going to stack the box every single 
we're going to blitz, we're going to do all these things. They didn't want the Chiefs to run the ball. And that's what they did. They, they said, just throw the ball, let Patrick Mahomes murder us all day long. That's what happened. Okay. So I, I, don't, I don't think that – and here's the thing. To, 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 to go on the Le'Veon Bell um, uh, line, storyline here, I know everybody was expecting that. Hell, I was too. I thought he was going to have a big game too. Trevor's uh, DFS definitely wanted that. But Fact. I, I, I actually like Again? the fact I actually like the fact that the Chiefs decided to do it this way with him because of the fact that they didn't need Le'Veon Bell to win this game. They didn't need Le'Veon Bell to have a big game, obviously. Right. They won by 27, 28 we points. Wanted it, though. Without, we okay. wanted it. So my, my question, my, here's, my, here's my thing. I, would you guys, wouldn't you guys rather have Le'Veon Bell help playoffs than to try to have a revenge game like that against the Jets? That's what I think Andy reads. He's looking at the big picture, the long game. You're not, you're not signing Le'Veon Bell for games like that in week seven, week eight. That's a you're, fan narrative. Yes, exactly. It's a so, fan narrative. Yes. I don't give a shit about so, that. So I, I don't think he got benched, but I do think that the Chiefs are pacing him the way they should look, into this offense. Look, the truth is, we know who Le'Veon Bell is. The Chiefs know right. who they are, who they got in yeah, Le'Veon no Bell. When they, when they signed him, yeah. they know who they got. They got a Hall of Fame talent running back who we've seen destroy us for years. So we know who this guy is very up close and personal. The, the, the guy we need to get to know is Clyde. Right. And Clyde got all the work for a reason because he's a rookie. He's still developing, getting his legs under him as a professional athlete. He's the guy we need to see more of, and he's the reason he was on the field. Man. And he's the... I said it last week that, that, that Le'Veon is the better back at this point, and I fully I stand with that. I still think that's the truth because Clyde's still learning this league. He's still learning this offense. He's still becoming a, a man his own in this league. He's the guy that we need to build up and get ready for the playoffs. Playoff, come playoff time, Lev's going to be ready. Lev's been there and done that. Lev wants a chip, right? Lev is the Terrell Suggs of the offense this year. I like it. He wants, he wants that chip. And Clyde's got to be the guy that we can rely on for years to come. Right. Lev's not. So I really wanted to see Le'Veon Bell go ham this past week because it just and it's not even like I said it's not even really a revenge game but I just wanted to see him go get a couple touchdowns but as a fan it really doesn't matter as long as we got the W and we did that and Clyde looks great man so it's not really a big deal to me. All right, last question comes from Sippy Sports Show. My college team Southern Miss is on their third head coach this season. Can all three of you guys go grab a coaching spot there and save that program? <laughs> or tell me who the fuck could save us? Uh, I think our guy Luke, who was just on our last segment, would definitely be the guy for yep. you. So go follow him on Twitter. Uh, you'll find his uh, Twitter handle on our previous segment. Hit him up. Have your team hit him up. You know, you get your lawyers and everything intact. Write up a contract. <laughs> make shit happen. Uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to be no damn coach right now. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Is, is Luke's mic on? Let me see. Yeah. So yeah. So so we have a guy who's look, Sippy Sports Show is looking for somebody to replace their coach. I believe he said Mississippi State. Uh, Southern Miss. Southern Miss is on their third head coach this season. So he needs somebody to replace their coach. He said I think our guy Luke would be the perfect guy to take over as the coach. Would you accept the job if you had it? Could you go be their father? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so uh, I, mean, I think he accepted the job. Yeah, yeah. I think he took the job. The question was if I could get the job. Yeah, I don't want it though. <laughs> I wanted Northern Miss. All right. Was that the mailbag? Was that it? That the mailbag? Is, All right. That was awesome, guys. Thank you so much for the mailbag. We really appreciate you. Uh, every single Monday, we post that on the Facebook page on the Spoken. 
Give us what you guys got, and we'll we'll bring it up on the show, and we'll get you guys take take over the show for the entire segment. So we're gonna take a quick break. Cause when we get back, we gotta do one more thing, guys. What's it called? Hold this L. It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> Le him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man. You are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It is time to hold this L. What we do each and every week is we hand out some friendly, not so friendly L's in the world of sports. I promise you, though, whether they're friendly or unfriendly, whoever gets it is absolutely deserving of it. So I'm going to start with you guys, Mr. Yo Yo Yo, Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Who is deserving of the L this week for you, my man? Who's holding the L? What do you think? Uh, is it F1? Let me guess. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's F1. Let's go to Formula 1, F1, F-U-F-1. Let's go with Racing Point this weekend. Uh, so last weekend, uh, they decided to do a different strategy. Uh, they decided to put Sergio Perez on uh, Super, so- Super Softs. Uh, obviously, there was a safety car. They wanted uh, Perez. They thought he could you know, overtake people and stuff like that, but... They thought other people were going to uh, also take this time to do a pit stop and uh, also do super sauce. So obviously their strategy backfired completely. Literally. And for a third time this season, they caused Sergio Perez a podium because he was going to finish third. Oh my God. So they cost themselves a third place spot and they caused Sergio Perez who they decided, Legend. Yeah, yeah. So who they decided to kick off the team. So... For me, Racing Point, you're going to have to hold this L. Thanks for the participation, Trevor. You can hold it L, too. So mine, any chance I get to shit on the Raiders franchise, I'm going to do it. 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 All right. So last week, pregame, they were without a player. Uh, The player goes by the name of Trent Brown. Why? Do you ask? Um, Pregame. This is literally pregame before the game. Pregame. Pregame. They were giving him, a, you know, an IV, getting him ready for the game, prepping for the game, uh, giving an IV in his vein, you know, right? Yeah. Like, Hydrate you. Right, 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 yeah. Get you ready. Get you prepped. Big guy. Yeah, Sweats a lot, yeah. you know. A couple big nights for the game, and then an IV. Um, unfortunately, when the, the team doctor was getting the IV, they leaked oxygen into his blood. Which could have killed the man. Which could literally have killed the man on the field, pre-game. They immediately had to rush him to the hospital because he got lightheaded and then started to get fainty. Luckily, they caught him in the time they did. The man could have died pre-game. Trent Brown, we're talking one of the best offensive linemen in the game at, right now. Contributing to a, a very important piece of that Raiders offense. So he didn't get to play that game because they had to get rushed to the hospital. And he, stayed, he ended up staying overnight. They had to literally recycle his blood. 
get the oxygen out of his bloodline because it could have caused veins to burst. It could have caused him to pass out. It could have caused a, caused a brain aneurysm. Yeah, all kinds of shit. Heart, yeah. Yeah, oxygen literally bubbles with oxygen floating in your veins. Yeah. It's extremely dangerous. They're off, they're, I mean, these are people that are paid millions, at least six to seven figures a year to be a team doctor, to not do these kinds of things. It just so happens to be the Raiders. I mean, how fitting is that for us to be the Raiders to do this shit? Well, well, I mean, we've seen was it 20, 2020 with uh, with Tyrod Taylor? Oh, yeah. So I, I have a theory. They punched the goddamn. I, I, I have a theory. Run, I, think, I, think, I think the Chargers and Raiders are the same doctors. <laughs> he, because, he works for the Chiefs. Oh, fuck. That's the only thing I can theorize, man. Because outside of that, how do you? Oh, the new Patriots, how does the AFC West have this many fuck ups, man? When it comes to medical problems, yeah. man. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I mean, it's not much more to add to that. It's. I'm glad he's okay. First of all, I don't want to make a light of that because that is very scary, but it's also very amusing. He's alive, so he's good. It's yeah. also very amusing because it is the Raiders, and that's yes. such a Raiders thing to yes. do. So, the Raiders front office, the Raiders staff, the Raiders in general, all my Raiders fans, I can suck it and do me a big favor and hold this in. All right, so I'm going to keep mine in the AFC West as well. Um, it's a team that I, I think is way better than what the record indicates. And I think we're finally figuring out that Anthony Lynn is just simply not the head coach for the Chargers. Why that is? Okay, look, man, you got to win as a team, you got to lose as a team. We all know this shit. But Anthony Lynn is the one consistent factor now that Phillip Rivers is gone, Antonio Gates, and all these guys are gone. It's a new team with the same coach. And they're still losing in the same fashion. They have five losses this season. Yeah. Do you know that in all five losses, they've had at least a 16-point uh, lead? That is literally impossible to do as a, as, a, in, as a team within eight games. It's never happened before. They lost to the Panthers. There's never, yeah, there's yeah. never been a team in the history of the NFL that in the first eight games of the season had a 16-point deficit or 16-point lead and lost all five. Yeah. It's never happened before. So the Chargers are now winning, losing in a historic fashion. It's always been funny. It wasn't Philip Rivers, supposedly. Yeah, it's so bad. You're, it's so embarrassing. You had Drew Locke, who cannot dance, out there. I cannot believe they let him come back and win that. Whoa, whoa, going, up, whoa, going out there whoa. doing his little fucking stupid Lee Summit-ass hey, white name. Hey, that boy can dance, He can't. Who? Urkel? Can no, no, it ain't happening. He happen. can dance. No, no. no. Fuck that swag. The Chargers left this motherfucker. They were down, They were down. what, 23 to 10? And they ended up losing the damn game. It's I think just, they only put up 17 points against yeah, the Panthers. Out there just Drew locking them. You know, it's unbelievable. Anyway, regardless, the Chargers deserve every L they've gotten this year because they have worked hard to get it. Yeah. So in that regard, my fi- my friends over in L.A. do me a solid and hold this L. Man, did you guys ever think we would give a, a team doctor two L's in this show? Well, it's a the same guy, doctor. so, I mean, apparently. And they better be the, they better be the Los Angeles Terod Taylors. By the time Terod Taylor's out of there, because he should own that team for losing his job to and Justin Herbert. And now the Raiders guys should own, should own the yeah, Raiders. Trent Brown, yeah, the, the, yeah. Damn, Las Vegas man, Trents. Bro. The Las Vegas Trents. That's <laughs> a hell of a name, right? Jesus. Man, it's been a fun show. We, we, had, a, we had a guest that we did not think was going to be on the show. He's a, just a guy that, uh, here at the bar. And I'm sure we'll have more of those as time goes on. That's the life of the bar in real life, man. Oh, yeah, so baby. this was fun, man. I think I, I'm really looking forward to doing the show here more often. 
Um, it's live, man. You get the energy out of it all, man. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Quiet Studio's nice. I, I will say that. It is nice. And there's every once in a while you're like, fuck, man, we need some energy yeah, in here. It, it it's makes, been provided. It, it, makes makes Trevor, it makes Trevor talk louder, so I like it. <laughs> I, can actually hear him. Shit, I can actually hear him now. Trevor's sweat over here. Well, guys, we thank you so much, all of our live streamers, the people that will be watching this uh, on the on the not-so-live stream tomorrow. For our YouTubers and for our podcasters, you guys are the absolute best. Man, we're crap. We're creeping up on 90 episodes starting next week. It has been a journey, and we thank you guys so much for being here. This is this is where we're at, man. Next next uh, month or next year, we'll probably be in a coliseum. You know, we'll be like the Coldplay of podcasts. We're looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we're we are here at Johnny's Tavern of 119th Street, man. Next week, come hang out with us, guys. I mean, you can obviously social distance, wear a mask, you know, do your thing. But you guys hang out, have a beer, have some wings, come chill with us, man. Might even get you a guest spot on the show. Who knows, man? Come and hang out with us. That's what it's all about. Not you, Donnie. No, except Donnie. Yes, no Donnie. <laughs> no Billy Don Hodge, maybe. We'll see. But in the meantime, no Donnie. You guys have yourself a great weekend. I hope you guys are all being positive out there with the world being as crazy as it is. We're here to try to uplift as much as we possibly. We can we hope we're doing that for you guys that is our goal that is our mission that is our that's what drives us here man that's what gives us the same so thank you guys for giving that back to us. and uh, we cannot wait to get back here on uh next friday and talk about a potential hopefully another chiefs victory as they go into the bye week really excited guys we got some great guests lined up hope you guys are ready for more to come in the meantime you guys have a great weekend great great nights we love you guys episode 89 of the spoken podcast is out this is lance twidwell signing off for the guys we out of this bitch see ya in South Dakota, we're looking forward to exploring new roads and wide open spaces. When you're ready to travel, great places are waiting. Learn more at TravelSouthDakota.com. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.